Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? It's uh, 9.30 p.m. Uh, you know, what is it called? Pacific Standard? Yeah. I was going to say Western Standard Time. I'm a little bit drunk. Uh, we've been watching the election. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe there's better news in the morning, but at 9.30 Pacific Western Standard Time, uh, we were just at Moshe Kasher and Natasha's house and watching it in a pool, which you'd think would be very nice. But uh, it's it's kind of weird and heavy and sad, and everybody kind of feels a little bit ill. Uh, but uh, I the good news is, <laughs> oh shit, there's no good news. There's good podcast news. I had a, a really magnificent discussion with Whitmer Thomas, uh, which we're bumping up a couple weeks just because it was so special. Whit's life story, the story of his family, the story of his personal life was so riveting to me. Uh, that I thought I would move it up here um, in the hopes that it would take our mind off of however you feel about what's going on. This this seemed like an extra special episode. So this is Whitmer Thomas. Um, I'm going to say this for the next couple episodes because we've uh, stockpiled a few here. Everything that we say here regarding the election uh, was recorded before the election. So please give us a little bit of a grace period. If there's anything that we said that seems callous or misinformed, it was misinformed. This was before anything uh, definitive had happened. So please uh, take everything that we said in that regard with a grain of salt and uh, enjoy the remarkable and evergreen, meaning it doesn't matter if it was now or a year ago or a year from now story of wit. It's such a great conversation, so I'm happy to share it with you uh, today. Um, Pardon me. I burped. We're going to keep that in. Um, (laughs) uh, We have two wonderful sponsors. Amazon Collectibles is the first. I don't know if you know this, but Amazon sells uh, collectibles, memorabilia, and fine art. They have over 15 million listings for collectibles and memorabilia featuring rare sports items, comic books that are also rare, autographs from various franchise shows and movies, coins, paintings, and more. Uh, there's PSA and DNA and PSA authenticated autographs, uh, gradings from gradings, sorry, from CGC, PSA, PCGS, NGC, and the U.S. Mint, and paintings direct from Gallag- galleries, galleries, paintings of Gallagher, and direct from Gallag- galleries. I almost said it again. <laughs> direct from galleries across America. Free shipping on select items for promo link. Go to Amazon.com slash Nerdist. They do have a uh, first comic featuring Scott Lang as Ant-Man, or as I know him, Paul Rudd. That is available on Amazon.com in the collectible section. So check that out. Get into that. Thank you, Amazon, for your support. Uh, We also have a new sponsor, which I'm grateful for, which is Magic Puzzle Quest. That's right, Magic, colon, Puzzle Quest. This is a mobile game based on the trading card game, Magic the Gathering, Puzzle Quest. It brings together the classic card game with the original Match 3 RPG. Latest updates include all new Eldritch Moon cards. Get into those Eldritch Moon cards, everybody. 
Coalition allows players to play with friends, chat, to strategize, and get group rewards in challenges. This game is available on both the Apple App Store for iPhone and iPad and Google Play. Check it out. Thank you, Magic Puzzle Quest, for your support. Um, it seems kind of like a heavy and weird time to uh, plug anything on my end, but there's everything that you might need on uh, PeteHolmes.com. And uh, what did I just plug? Amazon Collectibles and, and Magic. Yeah, Check those out. And in the meantime, everybody, enjoy Whitmer Thomas, a very special discussion that I hope you enjoy. And as I said, I hope it uh, gives you a little respite from the interesting cultural climate in our country right now. Uh, however you're feeling, um, enjoy Whitmer Thomas. Get out. Get it, old Whitmer Thomas. Hey, gang. This is the geese seat. Hello, pal. <laughs> hey, Aristotle. Old Whitmer Thomas. <laughs> Should I close that door? It was a, it was a, it was a choice to not close. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I, I sat down beforehand. Not at all. Aristotle was just telling me that he was at the Kanye West concert where he walked off three quarters of the way. Would you say? Oh dang! Three quarters. So he gets a refund. Why did he leave? Yeah, that's a good question. Why did he leave? His voice. Really? That's not very tantrumy. Damn, that's no good. I've I've. Just tweeted, uh, does anybody know if Kanye's playing in L.A. anytime soon? Uh, Classic. Do <laughs> you feel like a lot of people were talking about it? Yeah, man. It's all Instagram is right now. I didn't know that It's he... just him on a thing floating down from the sky. Float- floating up from the sky? Have you not seen photos of that? I don't really. Dude, come I don't on. like the... I like Instagram okay. I f- here's who I follow on Instagram. Uh, people eating vegan food. Mm. I like seeing other like people holding watermelons. I, I, I can't get enough of that. I hate anything. <laughs> no, these aren't people like taking pictures of their dinner. They're yeah. just like happy with a banana, like in a tropical uh, place. That's nice. I'm down with tropical food. Yeah, <laughs> I like that you spun. Yeah, yeah, no, I like tropical. I don't like watching people talk about like how food is prepared or Oh, I don't need it either. Yeah. Get out of my fucking face. Yeah, no way. But because I'm a vegan, I like uh, the positive reinforcement of seeing happy like just today, uh, Valerie, my my sweet girlfriend, said we were talking about how we're trying to be healthy. Like we went through kind of like an unhealthy place, and we're not synced up, and we're not one of those couples that are like, "Let's do this together," you know. But we both noticed that we're like, "Hey, we've been eating like shit. Let's eat well." And it broke my heart that she was like, well, "I just had half an avocado and a little bit of salmon," and I was like, "I can't, I can't handle it." <laughs> I did so sad to think of someone. Mm-hmm. Eat, cutting an avocado and putting half of it mm-hmm. away, it makes me think of Betty Draper with oh, a yeah. scale and the cubes of cheese. And I was like, baby, I cannot give you any discipline. I, all I can do, we're going to the movies later, I'm going to try and get her to eat milk tests. I can't fucking do it. I, you know, I've been have, I've have a theory lately about eating good is um, if I eat whatever I want and then throughout the whole day I just jump up and down a bunch, does that cancel? <laughs> if I'm like, if I eat like buffalo wings and a cheeseburger for lunch and then the whole day I'm just very animated yeah. every time, does that cancel out? Yeah. So I think I'm just going to do that. I think that's, it's, you're joking, but I know someone that has an app that whistles at a random point in the day. It's not to negate uh, wings and a burger, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of unnegatable, but right, right, right. it's the idea that at some random point in the day, a drill whistle blows, and that's when for like 45 seconds you go nuts. Yeah. So everything's been done. Well, 
I, I, I actually do do that. Like, and for the you longest, do? when I was in the best you shape. You do do of, it? I do, yeah. When I was in the best shape of my life. But you're like a skateboarding fiend. You're always out. Yeah, On your yeah, Instagram, yeah. I look at you and I'm like, this motherfucker's living life. Oh, really? Well, yes, that's it's inspiring. It's all I really want to be is a pro skater. Is that true? Mm-hmm. How that old are you now? That dream died, 28. Is it I, over? Th- oh, that dream died when I was 14. Really? Yeah, I tore my. Uh, I just broke everything in my body. And I feel I like, like ACL is fake. Whenever people say ACL, I'm just like, that's uh, what I did. Like you tore it. I tore it. I retore it. Re- just now, I got I have surgery on November 30th. You're not supposed 30th. to say retore. You're supposed to say mentally challenged. Oh, nice. Terrible. Yeah. Well, we're warming up. <laughs> I'm warming up. Uh, I well, retore it. Got to have surgery on November 30th. Wait, it's a serious thing. Yeah, I did it again, man. Because of uh, my passion for skateboard for kickflips. You love kickflips. Yeah. But what is it really about skateboarding? Because here, here's my guess. Is its uh, purpose? It's like you get up, you have gear, mm-hmm. you have your board with wheels. I, mm-hmm. I never skateboarded, but I used to lo- – I did a little bit. But I, I would look at the catalogs yeah. and be like, these wheels and this art. You and want then to you have chew your, on it. Yeah. Then you have your skate friends. Mm-hmm. And then you like go with a purpose to an area. A spot. A spot. A skate area. A skate area. <laughs> yeah. And you're there. You're outdoors. You're active. You're hanging out. It's like I see in a beautiful way. Uh, whenever I see like a group of gorillas, like on a mm-hmm. documentary, hanging out and just eating fucking bananas together, this is why I follow that on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to see things eating bananas. It's a reason to hang out, be active, get the blood flowing, challenge yourself. Is that it? Yeah, I think it's that. You know, there's something um, creatively fulfilling about skateboarding. And it, it's like a good – It's so it hurts a lot to skate, you know, always falling down. It's yeah. Like, it's really hard. Nothing – it doesn't – you know, it, it doesn't come natural to anyone, I think, really. Nobody to be was – nobody glided out of the womb. Yeah, right exactly. So I think it's just a constant thing to be working on. And there's no way to really – well, you can't perfect it. Is There's that right? no way to ever perfect or master like getting on a piece of wood with wheels and flipping <laughs> it around and landing on it. You know, there's that, and then it's just also there's something really. Um, no matter how old you are, I think there's something that feels very kind of uh, individualistic or punk rock about yeah. skateboarding. That's fun. Well, it's like know? these are stairs for old ladies, and you're yeah. like, no, it's not. No, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna ollie down these stairs. You're supposed to walk down them. <laughs> And it's cool, too, because now getting kicked out of spots is funny because, like, security guards are often younger than I am. And I remember being a kid and being like, fuck you, old man. And now it's like, son, (laughs) I'll go. (laughs) It's also like just toying. It's not accepting reality at face value. That's what I find so kind of lovely. I love watching skate videos. Mm -hmm. In fact, your skate videos have inspired me to, like, keep going down the rabbit hole, watch other great skate videos. And it's fun watching something that was intended for one thing become a source of joy for five rap scallions. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And we're all, all those guys, all those guys that I make all those videos with, they're all a lot better at skating than I am. But they, none of them are, you know, they're all different. One guy's a painter, one guy's an animator. Yeah. Yeah, so they're all kind of different. Well, I I, I know a little bit. I've seen, uh, what is it called? There's a documentary. It has a bad name. Bones Brigade? No, it's called like The Moves. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bad title. I, I like the documentary. It's bad like title. It's a very uh, cheesy title. Because it could be about anything. It's called like Momentum or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It yeah. could be about anything. That's yeah. the problem. It needed to be skate specific, but yeah. they were like, we're not doing that. And yeah. I was like, well, now I can't remember it. That's, yeah. So I know a little bit about what it takes, but what happened to you? When I was a kid? Well, 
I skateboard. You're in Alabama? In Alabama, skating. My brother got me into skating when I was like 10. Older brother? Older, yeah. It'd be funny if you had a younger brother Five. that was like, I'm forward thinking. Get into this. <laughs> uh, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, that's what my friend Jeremy was like that with his older brother, Tyler. Really? He informed everything his older brother did. No way, yeah. really? Yeah. How much older? Uh, like three years. I that's think. a big gap. Jeremy was like born with abs. And you know what Your I mean? Friend. He was like that kind of kid. I don't like these children. Yeah. I don't like he, he's the abs of children. Kid. Yeah, it's No, weird. I'm sure they're great. I, they're just the uh, object of my uh, jealousy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't really want abs, but I don't like You the, don't want abs? I if you could take abs, you wouldn't have them? No. no I want them. Really? Yeah, no, you look like you have them. No, I don't have them. I think about it, though. But you're a skinny man. Yeah, skinny So there man. they are. I gotta do something to bring them out. Like some I don't, mascara. By the way, I want to be sensitive. I know some people don't like being called skinny. When I say skinny, I mean it as a compliment. No, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, cool, you're, you're thin. Yeah. My dad would always be like, you're not skinny, man. You're lean. <laughs> <laughs> you got long muscles. <laughs> and my mom would always say, I'm not. What was it exactly? I want to make sure I get this right. I don't want to just do get, make a laugh. It was always like, here's things that uh, doughy kids get told. It's flat. That's one that moms oh, yeah, tell yeah, their yeah. sons. Like, look, it's flat. It's hard. Because you don't get like a belly, a beer belly until you're a dad mm-hmm. age, you know, yeah. like a, a, a grown man age. So I remember I was in camp and there was this other doughy kid. And again, the doughies never made alliances. We should have. Mm-hmm. We should have banded together, but instead would be relieved that there was someone else to take some of the heat. Mm-hmm. This was a fucking Quaker camp, by the way. We yeah. shouldn't have been getting any heat. And I remember Heath was standing there and Heath was a... He was a he, he was a butterball. He was, he was, a, he big was one. a he was a big one. He was yeah. a big one. I loved Heath. And then he touched his belly and ran his hand down and went he went, Look, it's flat and I was like, oh, That's what my mom tells me. Like I realized all the moms only have so many lines and then your dad is like, You're lean, oh, yeah. you're lean, son. Yeah. No, that's good. It's good love. Yeah, it's fun, man. So I wanted to <clears throat> skate and then I uh, got, I was pretty good at it. You I, met the ab boy. Met Ab Boy. Me and him were wild together. He lives out here now, and my friend Clay, who runs Power Violence with me on that show. In the uh, in the course of all things punk rock, yeah. what happened first? It wasn't skateboarding. Were you drawing on your vans? Uh, no, I didn't have vans, dude. Alabama, we didn't have anything cool. Really? Like, nothing. We had no access to any... The, the <laughs> idea landlocked. of getting vans... <laughs> not, not even, though. Yeah. It's not land. I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> oh, really? I grew up in See, a I don't even, pleasure island. I'm spatially unintelligent. Yeah. I just picture everything that's not New York or California yeah. or Chicago in no. the middle. <laughs> it's beautiful. I, it, I believe it. Gulf Shores, Alabama is the town where I grew up, and uh, we didn't have any... But so you have a port. Get the vans boat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We didn't have access to anything cool, so, like, there was no vans. Eventually, there was a vans outlet store that opened in, like, a neighboring town, so we got that. But I started skating, and then through skating, got into punk music and so all that. So that happened after. Yeah, and uh, started playing music and with all those friends, and then we... All of all of all Isn't of us fun. Yeah, I love that. Like these guys downstairs are playing D and D, and there's a good chance that means they also like comic books. This is one of the reasons why yeah. they're here. There's a vocabulary that they're here, and then the skating kids are probably into punk rock. At least I guess when we were yeah, punk rock or obscure hip hop. Yeah, sure. It's like it's the same thing. <laughs> what uh, do you mean by that? I mean just the same kids. Those obscure hip hop guys and the weirdo punk rock guys who skate are all gonna be friends. Because there's this like frequency of yeah. like off left of the path or yeah. something. It's not on the path, and and the people that aren't on the path are skateboarding. Yeah, it's just not on the radio. I think is the rule. Back not then. on the radio. Yeah, Fuck. but 
So radio. Fuck that fucking radio. Like corporate. Radio. You know, it's a corporate cog in the machine. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to wear a fucking penguin suit. There is something. I mean, I, I agree, and I know you're using humor, but there is something strange about the way that we did. We were controlled a little bit more. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, it's, a, it's a joke now to consider that the radio could be a cog in the machine. But back when we were growing up, you did listen to the radio. You listened to the fucking radio, and that's how you found stuff. Now there's the internet. But before the internet, there was a man... And the tastemakers and the like, the people with the money greasing wheels over at the radio station could make sure you heard about X Y Z, but not then, underground hip hop. And I remember, I think I was I was late nineties was when I was getting into music. So the bands that were on the radio were like Everclear. Remember Everclear? Yeah, Everclear. I can, I can play Santa Monica. <laughs> not Ooh. hard. A dream. I was just listening to that song yesterday. It's a good song, right? Yeah, but I didn't know if we were going to shit on Everclear. No, no, I do like that. Song. I had Everclear the CD, and that <laughs> through Everclear, the people that Everclear was influenced by were like the Descendants, yeah, of cool SoCal punk bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to I get into that all guy. that. Oh my god! <laughs> Everybody can draw Milo. Yeah, DZ that's like a rite of passage. My punk band had a guy named Lucas. It was totally ripped and off. And you? Oh, really? We had a drawing, and I was like, "This is the guy." And we had an album, and it, we were, and then we played it on the show. But we were no going to call our first album. Yeah, you got it. Aaron Bonner Jackson was the episode. Okay, it was a cool. couple ago. Um, we had an album, and we had the art and everything. We didn't have the music yet, and we were going to call the album Counterproductive. Nice. Which I thought was so Dude. badass. What was your name? The band? Nude. Nude. Yeah. I was in a band <laughs> in eighth and ninth grade called Dimwit. Dimwit! Never put it together that wit <laughs> is my name. Oh, my God. <laughs> <It was> just... <laughs> were you... Were you smoking dope in No, I never did drugs. <laughs> My friend Clay had the idea for a band called Nitwit, and then... Uh, you were like, dim. dim. Well, there was already a band called... We looked up, like, punkrockbands.com, and there was already a band called Nitwit, so we went dimwit. I like the early internet when you just type in, like, bigfakeboobs.com. Oh, dude, and yeah. It, and that's all you have. I'm you pretty sure that's it. what I went to, is boobs.com. <laughs> I, I went to boobs.com, The first two too. websites were, like, skateboard.com and boobs.com. <laughs> that's what you did. Yeah, There good. wasn't Google. Search engines weren't a thing you yet. It was just to... the internet. It was yeah. like a ham radio. You You'd like... have to go on and go, like, uh, boobs? It was so early back then that I remember it. Sometimes you go boobs.com and it would say boobs.com's coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's working on it. It hadn't been a thing and yet. I'd go to playboy.com, yeah. which was a big letdown. There, got, were no, there were no free boobies. I got into huge trouble for playboy.com. Really? Why? Yeah. Because I was staying with this my mom's boyfriend and he had internet, and I went. The first thing I did on it was go to playboy.com and yeah. like. Two days later, he came down and had to have a talk with me that he went through the history of the computer and found Playboy.com. And, but that – And he was so terrified that I was gay because of you know whatever Alabama stuff going on in his brain. He was so freaked out about it all the time and he was so mad at me for going to Playboy.com. And in my mind, looking back, I'm like, you should have like been happy. Yeah. I recall very distinctly asking my father to buy me Playboys because really? I didn't want to steal. Oh. We ended up stealing. Because he said yes, but then my mom talked him out of it. And I swear, it was seventh grade, I could tell there was a... My dad is a very open-minded, he's a democratic, liberal guy, he's mm -hmm. a lovely person. But I thought I was picking up a little, oh, thank God, we thought you might be gay. I, I hate to say thank God, because mm -hmm. that doesn't imply a judgment, but I think there might have been a judgment in the 80s in Boston. And I traded stickers with the girls, like I was very... Yeah. 
I, I like girly things. I still like girly still, things. Still, me too. I always like girly things. I always like girl, really? girl movies, girl music, way more than guy, anything. Hit it. Yeah. What's a girl movie uh, that you love? I don't know, like so Titanic. Think- yeah, there you like, go. Like, I was obsessed with Titanic and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet! I think because I, I would put myself in the guy John position. <laughs> in the John Leguizamo? <laughs> Is that what you want? <laughs> no, no. I always got so annoyed that he didn't inhale his cigars in that movie. Ah, uh, yeah. But I realized they're cigars. You're not supposed to, but it really took me out of it. I was mm. like, Is he being Hollywood about this? Inhale it, leg. Yeah, inhale it, leg. You should <laughs> dim leg. That guy's great. He is great. That's so- one of the first stand-up things I ever saw was him on HBO. Or it was like one-man show kind of thing. Guys like Leguizamo and Jamie Foxx that are yeah. like incredible actors, so talented, like clearly rich, deep people that just kind of also dominate at stand-up. Mm-hmm. It's, kind- it's not maddening. It's inspiring. When it's- I see Jamie Foxx do that song where he plays the Brady Bunch sexy, yeah. I'm just like, fuck everything, man. He's, He's killing it. He's one of those guys. Those are those guys that you can just be like... Like, I'm gonna do this. And yeah, exactly. Do it and it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I found hey, the sheet metal. I'm gonna build a plane. Hey, do you mind if I edit Ray? He's <laughs> 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 just good at it. He just, he just posits. Could I edit it? <laughs> he didn't edit it. That's so funny. He probably could. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. could. He was too busy. Yeah, he's just too busy. People like that could have done everything. Yeah, they're just too busy. Yeah. Oh, man. His only lament is that there were as many Jamie Foxes as X's in his last name. Uh, <gasps> too many. Too many. Um, so you girly things and, and I liked he, all the girly stuff. So he wasn't kind of, there wasn't like a wink wink. Like, no, uh, no. I, hey, you were looking at uh, boobs though. Not at all. He had no desire. He's a dick. What? He was like. Your mom's boyfriend was a dick? Oh, uh, yeah. Ron. <laughs> his okay, name God. was Ron? Dude, so I wanted a skate rail. This he His friend was a welder. And... He made it seem impossible for me to ever have like a, a rail, like a railing to skate on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. Flat bar is what it's called. And uh, you were going to install it in the backyard? No, nah, I just wanted it, a, a thing welded together that I could pick up and, and, and oh, take I somewhere see. into yeah. the street and skate. And so he said he would do that for me. He would get his friend to weld. Was Ron drinking when three, he made this promise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> three pieces of metal together. By the way, a drinking dad or stepdad or stepboyfriend, whatever. Yeah. Is like a kid's worst nightmare because uh, kid, it takes so long to figure out the cues. You think your dad's just being silly. He's like ah, la 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 la, or whatever a drunk yeah. dad is like. And then you're like, hey, what I wanted was a phone for my room with two lines and a speaker because oh, yeah. I wanted to be a little businessman. Well, <laughs> and then uh, somewhat drunk dad would be like, sure. And yeah. then later you'd have to make good with sober dad. Yeah. Sober dad, sober Ron. He's not going to build you that shit. No, he's not going to nothing, man. <laughs> He worked on oil rigs, so he'd come home every for like a week, every two weeks or something. He's like classic, really? this but is, dad's boyfriend. Like, this is Armageddon. He's like, hey, Ron. I was like, hey, Ron. He's like, hello. Uh, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> that was like kind of oh a vibe. But we lived at his house. So. Why didn't he call you wit? Because uh, he didn't know if he should call you son. He didn't. No, definitely wouldn't have called me son. He just probably didn't remember my name. But he, that's sad. But he. How old were you when your mom met Ron? My mom met him right after my parents got divorced so 10 to 12 you were 10 yeah kind of a prime age no yeah. judgment to remember and experience the trauma that must have been hard oh it was bad i mean it was bad so were you tight with your mom or tight with your dad i was tight with my mom at the time I remember my dad left when i was eight or nine or something and my mom i was close with both of them but by default yeah i had to 
you know, moved to... Here we to are a, watching Romeo and Juliet. Right. Mom's probably more into Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Had to move to a new town with my mom. That's when we moved to Pleasure Island, Gulf Shores. And, no way. Uh, from Birmingham. And then... Uh, so you're in Birmingham. I, I, I know this is sad, and we, right. I'm not looking for some sort of expose. I'm just interested in the story. Oh, no. Your dad left because... Were they fighting and... No, both my... Like well, yeah, they were fighting, but both my parents were drug addicts, so... No way. Yeah, so they What were, drugs? Uh, bad ones. I All mean, the bad ones. Yeah, big ones. I the think. the injectable ones. Yeah, um, and eventually I think, um, you know, I, I, pills and uh, they were alcoholics and both because of a family connection they had a hot connect they were able to get I think oxycontin and that's where they kind of started to crumble. Um, so were they? This is a weird question, but did the oxycontin take them to heroin, or did heroin no, take them to other oxycontin? Way. Yeah, I really? Think so. I think, but that's what happened with definitely with my mom. And as far as my dad goes, that's kind of what I've picked up through. So your parents were on drugs your whole childhood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I think my dad had gone to rehab a couple times from the time I was like born to eight and didn't work wasn't able to work out what was his story i i I like trying to Mm -hmm. uh, practice extreme empathy so here we are thinking of your dad and if we were making a bad tv movie would just have him be a drug addict what what drove him there um what brought him there he just never felt loved i mean we've talked about it since Uh, he never he said when he was a kid his parents never hugged him and when he was 15, his um, older sister graduated high school, and his parents didn't like him too much. So they said they were going to go on a vacation, and they drove up to Gatlinburg or somewhere in Tennessee, and they just dropped him off at a military school, and they, they tricked him. They lied that it was vacation and took him yeah. to the military? Was that in the pamphlet? Here's how to get him here. <laughs> Here's how to get him hooked on drugs. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that is so sad. That is AI. Yeah, dude. He's it, Haley Joel Osment. Totally sad. And so he that is ne- so sad. He was never, and then his dad died when he was about 20. And then um, his mom was just stilted and strange, I think. And What do you mean stilted and Just strange? kind of, it's never been very affectionate or loving and... Also, I don't, I don't know. There's kind of a strange relationship we, there. Yeah, I know what, kind of what you're talking about. There's some – I hate to use the word crazy. I just don't know the, cla- the clinical terms because a lot of these people in my family tree weren't diagnosed. But there are some mental challenges, people that went to like loony bins and stuff. Yeah. I hate to say loony bins. What are the right terms? I don't know. Institutionalized. Who, who gives a fuck? <laughs> we just go that way. Yeah. Who cares? Let's skate. Uh, the rest of the podcast is the audio of skateboarding. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Is that underground hip hop? <laughs> um, so, all right. I'm just trying to relate. So, so he goes some, to some college, diff- runs off, time. does his thing. He he goes through medical, uh, medical uh, law school, military school. He goes through military school, goes to sc- goes to college, then goes to law school. And did he like military? I know I, it's hard. He said he's he not liked, here. He liked military school because he learned to be funny and just kind of be cool. Really? And he could get anybody. Like he said, the first uh, couple weeks of school, he was scrawny. And uh, this guy wanted to kick his ass for some reason. I can't remember why. And he said some funny shit in class. And um, the like dude who went on to be a professional football player, I can't remember his name either, uh was like, hey, man, you're cool. This guy's going to try to kick your ass later, but uh, I got your back. And what? so later later that day, the guy came up to him and tried to, and was like, all right, let's fight or whatever, you know? And yeah. uh, hey. my dad was like, okay, let's do it. And he went like this. Puts up his dukes. And the guy who went on to become a football player, pro football player, came up behind my dad and just socked the dude in the face and laid him out and was like, 
no, fuck, Wit is my dad's name as well. No yeah. way! Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. I'm picturing the refrigerator. That's the only... Uh, it was probably him. Yeah, it's from the bears, it was him. the refrigerator. Yeah, it's definitely him. But- <laughs> So he's a funny guy, and he learned how to be cool. You know, my yeah. Uncle Larry was that way. My Uncle Larry is hilarious, and he was in the Coast Guard, I believe. I, I'm going to get some facts wrong. I'm just bad with facts. But he was in a branch of the military like that, and that I think he learned his personality there. In the rigid system, mm-hmm. it's kind of easier to flourish. Not easier, but you'll stand out if you're being like a funny guy, if you're being a little bit irreverent, yeah. if you're sneaking a bottle in or whatever it might be. Yeah, he was like totally charming and funny, and he was small and allergic to everything. My dad's—he's got a cool origin story to me. He was small and allergic to everything. He had to get this shot every day in his arm. One of those kids, you know. Mm. And uh, and then one day he got the shot, and then went and played uh, football in a field, and a guy ran into him, and somehow his teeth went into my dad's arm where the shot was, and got infected. The shot got really infected. And cured all of his allergies. Shut yeah. the fuck up. He said he never had enough. And yeah. it's turned one of his teeth brown. Yeah. And one of his teeth turned brown and died. And then he never had another allergy. And he still has this crazy scar on his arm. This is your dad. Yeah. Who you've talked to. And so... So we're getting this firsthand. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and then my dad grew. He had a crazy growth spurt. He was put through, you know, um, all this stuff in military school and came back. He, they let him go back to senior year in high school. And he was strong and cool looking and like had this cool story and whoa yeah he's like the coolest dude. that's like the equi- that's very similar to those stories of how they the rumors i think of how they invented lasik with a beer bottle in a bar fight across oh, someone's face and that. it cures their vision yeah things like that happen all the time it's the violence equivalent of uh discovering silly putty you know what how'd I mean? they do that that was a mistake as well oh. Yeah, a lot of inventions were mistakes. And here your dad was cured. And another thing that I learned when I was in the Amazon when I was 17, that's another story, but uh, is if a snake bites you, if you tase it right away, it'll neutralize the venom. So somebody just figured that out. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's no like – the way it was explained to me in the Amazon, so it's not exactly like I went to Harvard Medical School to have this looked at. But they were like, we don't know why it works, but tase it. If you get bit, tase it. God, that's what your dad got. That's exactly what he got bite. He got bit by some some dude. I imagine some backwoods <laughs> <laughs> just bit him. That's his contribution. <laughs> yeah, some people are here to that cure diseases change. and build rockets, and some people are here to trip and bite and cure a man. Change that man's life. Wow. Man. So he didn't. He so he's cool. He uh, oh okay. Going in order, he get cures of his allergies. Uh, he goes into military school because he had shit parents. Sorry, mm-hmm. it sounds like he had shit parents that didn't hug him and such. Tricked him after his sister graduated high school. He goes to military school. Once the ruse wears off, he's mm-hmm. like, I might as well double down and become a cool guy. Yeah. Becomes a cool guy. Gets out. What is he going to meet your mom now? Uh, no. So he graduates, and both of my parents, they, didn't, they were not quite old enough to get to be hippies. You know, they but they were like inspired and and looked up to hippie types. Yeah. So, so what is by this, the time, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so by the time they got to be, uh, you know, in their early twenties, it was like it went from free love and taking mushrooms and smoking weed and LSD to heroin and cocaine and yeah. doing the same amounts of those things and fucking <laughs> each other all the time. But now there's STDs and there's overdoses and all those types of things. Right. And I feel like they the just... The bad part of Forrest yeah, Gump. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always say is my mom's story is, gin, is the bad is part of... Yeah, yeah. No way! Oh, no, it's exactly Jenny except for no AIDS. 
Um, I would. Uh, I just quoted that Kanye. My mom's Kanye. name is Jenny too. Really? Yeah. And she's I, dead. Is she dead? I'm so <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's okay. When did she die? Uh, like eight years ago. I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get story. to it. That is. Sad. I mean, it does seem. I was just talking about how much I love a good conspiracy. You have hippies, which really were like a threat to the country. Yeah. Or at least a perceived threat. You do have free love. You have people going like, everything's a construct of the mind. All the epiphanies that you have on hallucinogens. And and boundaries and borders are going away. People are sending back their draft cards. Nobody wants to fight. People don't want to kill each other. And then they're like, well, they do like drugs. Let's give them different drugs that kill each other. They do like sex. Let's introduce some fucking shit. I'm not saying this is what happened, but it sure is interesting to consider. Oh, yeah. I think – yeah, it's tricky, man. I I like to make excuses and say that, that, well, that's why – something like that. That must be why all these people are fucked. Like all of my friends' parents, like every – Everybody that I grew up with in my hometown where I eventually moved, every parent for the most part was like a drug addict or an alcoholic. They were all like running away from something and had decided to go to Pleasure Island. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And then they just started cooking meth or whatever it was and it was very pleasurable. But, you know. Okay, so in the story, your dad... uh, Yeah, so my dad goes to school. I don't know. Not a hippie. He's he's not quite a hippie. He wanted to be, but... He also was kind of a yuppie, but not, you know, it was like weird. He couldn't find the 80s or the 70s. Yeah, yeah. so, and, uh, you know, just uh, drugs became a thing, I think. He he said to me recently that he never had any intention of getting old. He always wanted to kind of live fast and die, and then that was it. Really? But uh, then he met my mom, and he said, the moment he met my mom, he went to see my, my mom was in a band, and he went to see my mom's band play on a date. No way. And uh, he was on a date with another lady. Yeah, and he's already—I hate to use the term "losing," like I'm wearing a cardigan sweater in a circle. But he was using. Yeah, yeah. At this time in his life, went and saw your mom. Yeah. So what was her? Where was she at? My mom was had already had a son. My bro, my older brother had two sons. Actually, one of them had passed away. My my older brother uh, was five, and she was uh, in a band called the Big Chill in the <laughs> mid '80s, and. Uh, so my dad went to see the Big Chill on a date. Later, and, Mike Birbiglia would make a improv version of your mother's band. Oh, is that the name <laughs> of his group? The Big Chill is a movie, uh, like kind of like a heist movie that is. Very, oh yeah, yeah. Not a heist, but you know, it's I, I've heard it's similar to Don't Think Twice. I can't. Really oh really? Explain. I can't. Okay, really I haven't seen why. either of the one. <laughs> yeah, keep going. So, so he's watching her, and uh, he goes to get a drink during my mom's set break and my mom's at the bar and my dad said to my mom uh, hey good setup there tonight my dad's very similar to Michael Keaton and Matthew McConaughey I was just gonna say that's uh, a McConaughey kind of deal and, uh, I like it hey. and my mom was like thanks good setup there <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like thanks and uh, he's like yeah no problem she goes you wanna get out of here and, I, and, and my mom said that to my dad and my dad was like uh yeah, hold on. And he went to my date, his date, and was like, "Hey, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> no, just, no, that's no, the story my dad. No, told. no, yeah. no. And he said they stayed up all night doing drugs. Oh, and having fun. And uh, the punchline of that story is not as good as the setup. <laughs> no. It's so great. It's like you want to get out of here. Well, at yeah. the time, well, I guess it's sad because my mom had a child. But then he said he met my my older brother Johnny, and uh, he was like. I want to have a family with this woman. I want to start a family. Wow. So uh, I hate to chase the heroin. It's like no, I guess no. if they were doing these drugs, if they stayed up smoking pot, I guess it would be different if they stayed up doing heroin. Were they both already into that stuff? Uh, my mom definitely was. Um, this is what I've gathered. I'm a little bit like I'm 
my dad is always like, if I'll answer any question that you have for me, and I'm always kind of nervous about it because my dad left when I was eight or nine and then kind of came back fully into my life once I was in ninth grade. Oh, wow. And so he missed me growing up and kind of like becoming the yeah. the cool guy I am. <laughs> you know, so there was Just a lot of... For the st- listeners, you're spinning a basketball I'm very with one cool. finger yeah. right now. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I felt weird about when, I, when my dad came back. Like, I remember I felt weird about raising my arms around him because I had hair under my arms. And oh, I was wow. like, I didn't want him to see like i felt like yeah i'm grown up now like what how do i act around you well it's like uh there was a present you were supposed to unwrap together yeah and you don't want him to see that you already opened it yeah exactly because he's the dads are supposed to usher especially this is culturally and kind of historically i'm not saying we can't rewrite the future but a lot of times in a lot of cultures the men are supposed to kind of shepherd the boys into manhood yeah. and you did that on your own yeah and he did in, in or with your mom in his own way my dad did what do you mean later i mean he definitely guided me and kind of taught me how to be a man when you were 18 once i got older once i are you in ninth grade i was in ninth grade 14 14. or something that's about you know i'm not trying to cut your dad some slack i'm like that's about the age you want a a dad to kick in perfect timing yeah no it's not perfect time but it's better better than 18 he was fine i was like finally cute again and he was like i'll come back Ah. (laughs) so uh, what yeah. do you, when you were a kid, did you have thoughts of your day? Were you like, when I is this accepted, guy coming back? No. I, well, yeah. I didn't think, when is he going to come back? I had accepted that he wasn't because we had moved to a town where nobody had a dad. Mm. That was just like kind of – there was a couple of kids of friends of mine who had dads, but most dads were in jail or gone or dead or whatever it was. So we kind of – I just kind of accepted that, oh, I don't have a dad either, whatever. It's fine. Um and there was so much drama happening with my mom and with boyfriends and moving and all that stuff that it was just kind of I don't want to I didn't want to even think about it. All I wanted to think about was like skateboarding and playing yeah. music and running around. With Were my you building a plan to get out? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you an ambitious kid? Were you like yeah. I'm not going to stick around this? Definitely. This one stick town. As for sure. Really? I was so Where did that come as from? As a kid. I well. My mom is a musician, so I always liked music. Yeah. My brother was in a really cool band. He, in a lot of ways, guided me into every part of my like life, every way that I am now. It was it has a lot to do with him, and so I always knew in some way I would move to California. Really? And I would do something. You it's know? so I feel like that bridge, that magical golden highway that could take you to any other city. Very hard for a lot of people, including myself, to imagine. You know, like it takes. Someone to really show you, and it looks like you had that person. Well, I had glimpses of it through my mom. She was would be in a band that was like really popular in my hometown. Like, really, she would play at a bar, and a lot of people would go. And uh, you know, she, at, her band opened for a lot of cool bands in the eighties and stuff. Really, and I remember thinking like that that was kind of a thing I could do. And then my mom was always so supportive of me doing anything artistic. So there was no cigarette out of the mouth, beer in the morning going like, don't you do this whip? No, her, boy- <laughs> her boyfriends were always like that. Uh, Again, I'm picturing the cliche version of every story you're telling, no. but you're, so her boyfriends would tell you, get a regular job. Yeah, go, her boyfriends were terrible. And, then, and so were her parents, who I had to live with a lot of the time. Really? But, yeah. What kind of terrible? These people were breaking Not your spirit? Support, breaking my spirit in whatever way, and breaking my mom 
mom's spirit too, because my mom sought her dreams out until the end as well. And I they, was just gonna say, so she's not quit. She's got two children now, mm-hmm. or three, depending on one where. of them had passed away when she when it was when she was like twenty one or something. Okay, yeah. So she's not stopping. Like she's like, no. I am a musician. That's what I do. Yeah, and she would sell sometime. I think she sold a couple of songs at a thing called the Songwriters Festival. I think she sold a song to Britney Spears at one point that never got uh, like recorded, but no she way. did it. And uh, she had recorded an album with the singer of the band War, uh, Howard Scott. Uh, War? War. Not not uh, Guar. Not Guar. I, I, I love Guar. I thought gore. you were so cool that you pronounced Gore Guar. Guar. While I was in high school, uh, the guy Howard Scott from War uh, <laughs> lived with me and they recorded an album together. No way! Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, they didn't make any money. They were my mom. It wasn't like a profitable. But job. you had creativity and mm-hmm. art living in your house. Oh yeah, and raising you. Yeah, I really and, feel. Yeah, that's it. You're either living in someone else's creation or you're making your own creation. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, to see that your mom didn't give up the fight. She never did. That's ever. amazing. She sort of did towards the end, only because my aunt. Her, she was in a band with. Um, her identical twin, my aunt, uh, and their their band was called Sin Twister, and they're called Sin Twister. Twins, they're twin sisters, and Tw- her band was Sin called Twister. Sin Twister. Pretty cool, twin sister. <laughs> but they would kind of <laughs> do that, and then my aunt kind of wait. She she also played music, mm-hmm. or she sang. She played music and sang with her. They sang together. I have a photo. Yeah, um, let's see it. They uh. They, my aunt at one point just decided, like, I don't really, this is, dream is lame. I don't want to do this anymore. Didn't your mom have ambitions of going to another city or did she? She uh, did. I mean, yeah. when she was my age. Yeah. This is them. My mom's Oh the, my that. God. Wow. Your mom's a babe. Yeah, major babe. Major babe. Yeah. Um, wow. But, uh. That's kind of weird that your mom's such a babe. Uh, <laughs> So sorry, but that is like the classic '80s, early '90s babe, right? Dude, there. when I was a kid, there's this famous bar called the Florabama, which I lived next to, and it was on the line of Florida and Alabama, which is where I'm from. And there was a photo of them topless on the ceiling, like a promo shot of them together. <laughs> the two sisters, in. yeah, my mom and my aunt. I remember just being like, yeah, so embarrassed. Oh my god! As a kid, no wonder she's just going up to your dad like you want to get out. Of oh, here. your mom's so calling the shot. So confident. Super babe. Super babe. Uh, my dad's major hunk. I don't get any photos of him, though. Is uh, that true? Yeah. They're both, so they're just like incredibly gorgeous supreme. people. Supreme. Yeah. each other. They're both supreme. Yeah. People wait in line for a long time to buy their t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she did, when you, she was your age, she wanted to move. And yeah, then when was she it was just... my age, she moved. She's got so many cool stories. But she was my age. She moved to Cal- uh, California, played for a while. She sang back up in Bob Marley and the Whalers with no my way. aunt. She met all kinds of famous They both people. did? Yeah. So they were like the twin. Act. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if two of your background singers mm-hmm. looked the same? Yeah. Well, kind of cool. What if they looked like that? Jammin! <laughs> 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 he just starts singing Jammin. Oh, Everybody's yeah. very happy. <laughs> uh, so they did this? Yeah, they met all kinds of famous people and like David Bowie and, and my mom rumored that she dated like Daryl Hall for a bit and then Don Henley and then... Wait, Daryl Hall's the smoking one? Yeah. I mean, no, of no offense, Oates, but... Yeah. <laughs> she's not gonna go for oats <laughs> she's not a horse <laughs> so so uh she dated daryl hall yeah she was like daryl hall taught me how to tune my guitar to d and i was like what the <laughs> fuck does that mean d what does that mean 
remember her telling me that. I was like, no way. Uh, so. See, and this was cool when you were a kid. You weren't like, Mom! Yeah. You thought was she was cool. cool. Yeah. Always, no, that's one thing about my parents. I always would say, like, people are like, why aren't you fucked up? Which I, it's like, because my parents were the coolest. You my that- dad bailed, but my mom was the... the there was no... Uh, kind of attempting to compete with her coolness. You know what I mean? She just was cool. I could not ever be more of a, a bad boy or whatever than uh, like more of a rebel or, or cooler than she was. There was there was never that wasn't even in question. I could never be like, Mom. You know what I mean? I can't believe it. Yeah. I interviewed Trixie Garcia, Jerry Garcia's daughter, yeah. uh, for the, my old talk show, and she was like talking about how lame her dad was, how lame the Grateful Dead were. Like even he couldn't. Like Judd Apatow has that great bit about like Johnny Depp's. No one's kids think their parents are cool. Yeah, and even Johnny Depp, they're like, "Oh, you're fucking scarves." It's a great joke. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I didn't like sit there like, "Wow," and I didn't necessarily like her music. Really, it was yeah. just like I, my mom was deeply troubled and like fucked up and addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I had a lot of sympathy for her, and I thought it was cool that she would write music about it and go sing it on stage. Right, and it was. She had the tortured artist thing going. Very much she'd so. She'd hit yeah. the bottom and then she'd... I would remember waking up in the morning for school and she had, would have been like staying up all night writing a song on piano and I would wake up in the morning. I would fall asleep to her going... Dun, 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 dun. And then in the morning I would wake up and it'd be like this super sad song about like a fully written... I remember there was one about my dad that was like, Why don't you love me anymore? <laughs> <laughs> just no like, so like Jesus Christ, mom. You know what I mean? As a kid, all, so all the drama is right on the surface. Oh yeah. As opposed to a lot of families where, like in my family, I'm like, what is going on? How does dad feel about mom? How does mom feel about dad? What's going on with my brother? You were waking up to the musical version of what was going on with your mom. I remember thinking it was really funny because when I was a little kid, my mom wrote a song about my dad called "He's Hot." <laughs> that was not. Why don't you love me anymore? It was like he's hot. Boop. He is the one. Whoa. <laughs> she should have given that to Hall. Or at least given it to Oates. I know. He's like probably a co-writer. But so and then like saying I remember being like, oh, I wish they missed the old he's hot days. <laughs> but, I missed the he's hot days. Yeah. Now you're in the why don't you love me days. I know, man. Were the uh what, what was the relationship like? Was she able to be momish, or was she just your cool rock star roommate? She was. I'm not. I, by the to, way, I'm not questioning. It doesn't sound like she wasn't. No, she she was doing the best she could, which is like something she would say all the time. Yeah. And she was in rehab all the time. Like I think she went twelve times. So she was trying to was get eighteen clean. Yeah. Um, she. I was just reading that article that Harris's mom wrote, and they yeah. were talking about how rehab is, like, too short. Insurance mm-hmm. will only pay for, like, 30 days or yeah. something. And they were like, there's tests that say six months is what mm-hmm. you need. Like, I'm sure in Finland, if you're addicted to heroin, they're like, well, come to private island for three years. Yeah, three years. That's about what it takes. <laughs> is that's that right? What, that's what my dad said. Three years. He said, realistically, it takes one year before you can even think about having, like, a normal thought. One that, year. Like a non-heroin thought? Uh, he said it changes your – it literally changes the shape of your brain to where uh, he said he would watch something on television that he thought was funny. And then after he kicked drugs, he would 
try to watch it again, and he couldn't really figure out why he ever thought it was funny. And I was like, what, wow. what is even funny about that joke? Why are people laughing? Wow. And my friend who kicked heroin, who really likes numbers and things like that, she couldn't make sense of numbers anymore. After heroin? Yeah. Now she can. She's been sober for like a Oh, year during and a half. heroin, numbers just left. Right after she kicked heroin. That's why it's so hard. It's because everything that you like about your personality just goes away. And you're sober and you're not doing heroin, but you're mad because you still feel like a junkie. And you have none of the things that you remember so clearly about being sober and when you're and before, about being you about being you, and that's why you just want to keep doing it. And it that takes such crazy. a long time to get your brain to go back to your normal that, shape. By the way, that's not crazy. I feel that way about every substance, including just food, mm-hmm. bread. I have theories about every single thing and how it affects me. And so this makes this is like the one million times what it's like to just be. Mm-hmm. eating that's why you shit. gotta move away that's what i miss so much about what's so heartbreaking to me about harris is my dad my dad i, I don't know maybe me and him listened to the podcast with uh, him on here uh, my dad liked harris whittles a lot and harris and i had become pals because of a, a really funny basically <laughs> 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 i was i was on a date, it's pretty much with my girlfriend who I dated. I, we just broke up, but we were together for about three years. And um, is this cocaine and dancing girl? Uh, no, <laughs> no. And uh, <laughs> we were on a date, like kind of like one of our first dates. We've been seeing each other for like two weeks, and uh, at some party, Halloween party, and um, Harris, who I didn't know but I had admired as a comedian, was uh, dancing with a girl next to me and my girlfriend who were dancing mm-hmm. and uh this girl i had been on a couple dates with and um she was dancing with harris and then i see her and i'm like oh there she is not thinking anything weird and she comes up she sees me and comes up to me and this my girlfriend and goes grabs me by the collar and goes you you ruined me and i was like hi <laughs> wait what and my girlfriend who isn't officially my girlfriend at all yet is like what's going on and she goes stay away from him and i was like i don't know what she's doing i don't know what she's saying because i had told her i didn't want to see her anymore we had only gone on a couple dates you know yeah and then harris comes up to her and grabs her and is like hey come on what's going on please cut that out and he's like i'm sorry she's just kind of fucked up right now and then uh harris was like by the way uh, I'm a fan of the, your stuff. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, man. Likewise. And he goes, let's hang out. And then he DM'd me like an hour later. And then we became After pals. the girl he was dancing yeah. with threatened you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like right after that. And uh, So right past that. It wasn't yeah. thwarted at all. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, and uh, But so Harris, the a few days before he passed away, my, we were doing a show together, a Jimmy Fallon showcase. And um, he dared me i was drinking a sprite and we had already showcased for it a bunch of times this was like the third time or something same group of people you know how it goes and like um i was drinking a sprite and i was like if i act nervous tonight i'm really sorry i just have a really bad case of stage sprite and harris was like i dare you to do that on stage oh my god because we just didn't care at this point anymore you know oh my god i've been there and so in the middle of my set (laughs) i wasn't gonna do it and then i looked over and i saw him standing back there and i was like like i wanted to impress him you know so it's like sorry if i'm nervous it was a new sprite unopened (laughs) 
sitting on the stool at UCB. He said, I'm sorry if I'm nervous, but I just have a really bad case of stage Sprite. And I went, (laughs) (laughs) they got the biggest laugh of any stupid joke I could have told that night. And I remember feeling so full and like happy that, and he was so, so he thought it was really funny. I bet there was that, that prick, uh, that kind of kinetic energy that you were doing something that you knew you shouldn't be doing. And then he went on stage killed told all these jokes that could never be on Fallon about yeah, yeah. drug addiction dark shit you know what I mean and then at the end of his set he just wanted to do a set yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly why I think yeah. at the end of his set he goes thanks a lot Jimmy and shook an imaginary hand and then began to have like one of those mime t- com- you know oh my god it was, the, dude, it was the funniest thing I've, I was top three funniest things I've ever seen happen on stage in my <sighs> life and then later, he I had told a joke, I think, about my dad or mom being, uh, you know, recovering uh, addicts. And um, G- uh, Harris was, like, talking to me about my dad. And was, I was like, oh, you got you to gotta talk to him, man. You guys would have a lot in common. And he was like, oh, really? Yeah, let's do that. And my dad was about to come to town. And I was like, oh, let's hang out. And then three days later, and then I was telling it was just, like, a totally weird, shocking thing because he was so clearly sober. You know what I mean? Yeah. In that at least in my mind and i'm right. pretty well versed i feel like whenever it comes to being able to tell yeah and so it was a really weird um depressing sad thing <laughs> yeah 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 but to his mom's point three years yeah. is what your dad and said. harris was what not even a year he had gone well he had gone through a couple month yeah. long programs i believe yeah, but then something I didn't know in that article was that he had checked himself out early, and they didn't tell the family and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not to point, I guess I don't. You mean... got to go away. Yeah, that's what I think. Well, you know what? One of the weirdest things was I believe Harris was when he did the podcast was alluding to dating someone who was a Scientologist. Do you remember that? I know her. Yeah, and I was like, I think about this all the time. I'm like, okay, regardless of how you feel about Scientology or any uh, religion or whatever we classify that as. Uh, I'm like, would it have been better if he had just gone through some, let's call it crazy, crazy, like, ah, we're going to get you clean with uh, colored lights or whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I'm out of my depth. But I think about that. I'm like, he was too smart to do that sort of thing. But then I'm like, would it have been better if he had just kind of put that aside and gone through some sort of rigorous, almost like the military school of religions? You kind of have to... uh you have to like bow down to something greater than yourself. And I think it's really hard for people who are really intelligent and cool and on top of everything. That's why it's so hard for a person like my dad Mm. or somebody like that. You just have to kind of like go like this, like get on your knees and just accept that you're small and you're powerless and you're not cool or or smart or anything. Hmm. And my dad, when he got sober, he... That's why he was gone for so long. He was trying to get sober for four years. Really? Yeah. That's what he was doing when he left your mom? I mean, not immediately. Right. But I think he had gotten in some trouble and then kind of ran off and disappeared. And then four years later, when he came back, he was sober. There's a real power. I was just thinking about this. Somebody from my old hometown texted me something. And it was depressing. And, and he was referencing like people we used to know. And I, and I was just kind of like, why are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> get out of there. Just, I think about this with a lot of people. Like, get the fuck out. Yeah, just go away. But I won't know anyone. You'll meet people. Like, this is, this is it. 
like before you know it, it's going to be 15 years later and you're going to not have done anything. And not that it's for everybody. Not everybody needs to go on a literal journey. But for some people that just can't get out of a funk, I'm like – sometimes I'm like, do you realize there's only a couple towns we can be in as show people, specifically comedians. Mm-hmm. Show people. <laughs> yeah. So you can cut out like uh, – we could live in Austin if we were musicians. You could live in uh, – uh, I don't know, Memphis, Nashville. Nashville, yeah. But with with comedy, I feel like there's certain places at a certain point you want to do films, you're acting and all this sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to be here. But if you were if you were a painter or if you were trying to write memoirs or whatever, I'm like, holy shit, you could just go live in Portland, Man. Seattle. These are some of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, like what? What wonderful freedom! You could do anything. I always think about that too with L.A. Man, I'm always like, well, I like L.A. because of skating. But if if I didn't skate, it's like, what the hell? Whoa. Sometimes I'd get real sad here. I yeah. think, yeah, because I don't know. It's all. It's the only place I always dreamed to live in here since I was a kid. But some people move here just for comedy or whatever it or is. Or what's worse, just to be famous. Yeah, I think that's way worse. Yeah, it's really strange. That's what Birbiglia and I talked about when he did the podcast. Most recently, I think we were talking about the horrible predicament of being in a town where a lot of people moved to be famous mm-hmm. and, and really trying to dissect why you're doing what you're doing and then separating the people that are like, I do it, why are you smiling? Because I just thought of something that Tell I did me. the other day. Tell well, me. just speaking of being famous. Spit it. I'm, so my dad, since I moved here 10 years, I moved here when I was 18. And the week I moved here, my dad is such a, he's like a very spiritual guy and he was like, you need to write down your goals. The day that's I... It's funny because you look like Jim Carrey. You remind me of Jim Carrey. Right. And that's the Jim Carrey thing. Well, Did I, you write yourself a check for $10 million? I, uh, No. Whitmer? I have a funny Jim Carrey story, but I, I can tell it later. I'll write down uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, so... Do you get that a lot? Yeah, all the time. So That's great. Yeah, it's cool. He's, the, he's, he's my idol. He's, he's the, the best. best. Yeah, he's the coolest. So yeah. my dad's like, you got to write down your goals and you have to put it in the universe what you want. And you'll get it. I know you will. My, yeah, I just know you will. And I never did it. I was always so embarrassed to, to do something like that. And then I did it recently. I was just going to say no one would know. Well, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Until you say it on a podcast. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've written down goals and then had those specific things well, happen. Let's let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote it down and I was reading them out loud to myself, going, "What the fuck?" Like in the in the grand scheme of my goals, are like I want to be the star of a very cool movie <laughs> and stuff uh, like that, <laughs> or I want you know what I mean. They're so but they, you, don't you? I not to coach you. Yeah. I, I'm just speaking to the listeners as well. The first hurdle is getting over how fucking embarrassing your dreams are. Yeah. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. I have recurring show business dreams. Curtain call at SNL, meeting Steve Martin, hanging out with Seinfeld. Fucking embarrassing dreams. And at a certain point, I just have to go like, for some reason, the chemistry of me and how I was raised and what I was exposed to, this shit, which you're absolutely right, is arbitrary. Show me something that isn't. Is is what I want to do. Yeah, it's and so funny. It is embarrassing, but I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was just thinking about I want to be, I want to be famous, and it's really odd, and it makes me feel guilty sometimes. But then I look at something else that's not as you know somebody else's life, and I am like, well, at least I want, I want a thing. Like I, I des- It's not necessarily that I want fame, but I, I do want. I want to feel fulfilled and not fulfilled forever at the same time. You know what I mean? You want to feel fulfilled and not fulfilled. I want to feel unsatisfied because of how uh, 
excited I am about the thing I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how to articulate it the right way, but I, I want um, – you have a show on HBO that's going to come out, but you're not – you don't feel satisfied, right, at all. You're not like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> Right? You know what I mean? Well, that's a very interesting question. Many people would be like, some people I think might go, cool, I'm done. Well, don't you know the Jim Carrey quote? Oh, yeah. Wait, the recent quote? It's just a Where he's got the quote. hat on? I wish everyone could get no, I rich don't know. and famous. No, I don't know that. He goes, I wish everyone could get rich and famous so they could see it's not the answer. Oh, no. So I'm trying that's to nice. find fulfillment in the moment. That's That's the name of the game. I know this is very cliche. But when we're writing the show, it's very tempting to go, I'll be happy when I'm shooting the show. When we're shooting the show, it's very easy to say, I'll be happy when we're editing the show. The show is actually a very good cosmic exercise in being happy in the moment and realizing that the show is what's happening right now. I'm trying mm-hmm. to be happy right now. I'm trying to have a happiness that's not contingent on any sort of um, event external for myself. Yeah. That being said, I'm still the guy that has the showbiz dreams and I chase that. That's my drama. That's my story. I'm the showbiz kid. I want it. I love show business. I love uh, succeeding at things. It gives me a rush. I love making things. Uh, so I'm in that game, but then there's also a quiet part of me that I'm trying to cultivate and build up that's outside of all of it that's going, isn't that fun? Watch Pete do his things and there he is. I'll be over here and I'll be happy now because yeah. peace cannot exist in the ego. I think that's a better way of articulating what I was uh, saying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious. what you, But I think I get – I might not be getting what you're saying, but what I got from what you're saying is – it's a wonderful place where I am right now in the in the drama, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Fulfilled, successful. Like it's nice to have my father look at me and be like, "My son's got a show on HBO." I am not poo-pooing that. I've worked really yeah. hard. That means a lot. I've been trying to get the attention of my family and to have them go, "We see you. We validate you." Pete is a comedian. I love all of that stuff. And now I kind of manufacture my next need. Yeah. Like, look at somebody like Judd. I think about this all the time. Judd doesn't have to do anything. I'm, I'm speaking from a success perspective. But he likes, it seems, from what I, the time I've spent, he likes making the next challenge, just like skateboarding. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to this area and we're going to skate it until we know it perfectly. But that's a manufactured and it's a, it's a pretend level of suffering. It's not, I need shoes and food and exactly. a vaccine. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and it's uh, that unsatisfaction, I think, is what makes me feel happy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel... Well, that's the electricity. Yeah, I f- it's exactly the... This like, is Alan? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, No, I mean, I'm done. But yeah, it's just uh, that unsatisfaction is what I love. And the moment that it, it's gone, that's when I have to worry, I think. Like, the like, oh, have I lost my spark? You know, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. So Alan Watts, who I love very dearly as a philosopher and a speaker, and he was amazing, and... He has this thing, this exercise where he's like, let's say every night when you go to bed, one night's rest is equal to 75 years of living and you're the ruler of this world. And he was like, you can do whatever you want, whatever you want. You can fly, you can eat whatever you want, you can do sex, whatever you need. He's, he, he hypothesizes that for a couple months, that's a lot of years, that's hundreds, thousands of years, you would just fly and fuck and listen to music and – create art and just ah, just coming constantly ah, just perfect ecstasy right and he's like how long before you in your perfect world make a button called surprise where you hit this button and something goes wrong that's what he's talking that's mm-hmm. what he thinks the universe is doing there is no joy 
you're you're saying you're almost saying in the defense of stress, yeah, you, because it manufactures a spark. Isn't that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking a. I love it. But we spend so much time avoiding, even as silly as it sounds. I'm playing uh, a video game right now, and I love Splinter Cell. And you're sneaking around, and you're killing people. And then there's this one part where I go and there's this house and it's filled with like 30 bad guys. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> like I just don't – it's overwhelming. But I was like, this is why I play. I play for the moments where I go, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this. I know it's just a video game, but there is a way to look at your own life. It's just like, shit, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. And, and I, I like that perspective. I like that a lot too. There's never uh, – yeah. I mean that's – I think that's what's great about being a stand-up comic and that's what's cool. And that's what I loved about – you know, acting in the first place when I first moved out to LA is like uh, kind of the spontaneity of uh, life and LA and Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would really romanticize that. And I still do to this day. And I, and I hope that never dies. See, that's why I'm grateful that I have show business dreams. Mm-hmm. If you have dreams about carving wood and building a beautiful totem pole, I mean, that's your dream. Mm-hmm. It's literally your dream. But if you can have that allurement, that natural attraction, to, I hate saying show business because it sounds so phony and baloney, but like I like knowing comedians. I like knowing actors. I ni- like knowing musicians. I like knowing editors. I like knowing producers. Like It's fun to be in this matrix, and that's the one that I wanted to be a part of. That's a nice life to, to know what you want and to go after it. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, – I don't know. I think back to kind of whatever dad-mom bullshit that we were talking about earlier, yep. I think that I – Never had to question ever anything that I wanted to be because I had a perfect example of a mom who mm. was trying and never and, – and had parents who didn't support her. And I was like, well, I've, I want to try and I've got parents who support me. So yes. I can't fail. Isn't that funny, man? We sp- There's so many parenting books and, and even me as I think about having kids with Val, it's kind of like, OK, I want to make sure I do this, this and this and provide this and this and this. And then – in this kind of atypical, somewhat more chaotic, mom's up all night playing the piano world, you inherited a far more valuable lesson than I would, which is like wear clean underwear in case you go to the hospital. <laughs> Some sort of bullshit like that. Or always go to a party and bring something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What are the bullshit lessons I can learn, teach my children with rigidity? And here you are in beautiful chaos – I, I'm not saying chaos in I a like bad that, way. Yeah. Beautiful chaos, real artistic, creative living. And you were like, ah, you got the Jim Carrey thing. Being rich and famous isn't necessarily the thing. Being creative, I really think, I know I said it earlier, you're either creating or living in someone else's creation. It's like when you work for a corporation, you're living for someone else's dream, which I understand is sometimes necessary. But then there's your, people like your mom who sounds like up and down financially, left and right with her standing in the business, uh, left and right in her standing with her own health and all this stuff and her family, but was learning a valuable lesson going like you need, as cheesy as it sounds, to follow your heart. And you got that. Yeah. My mom uh, would look at me. You know, I'd say that I was pretty classically angst-ridden as a kid. Like, I definitely had a bang that covered one of my eyes and stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, <laughs> Did you, Whitmer, you have beautiful eyes. Cover that yeah. <laughs> Shit. No, I do remember her constantly. Like, there's so many photos that are of her as she's pushing the bang out yeah, of my eye. Yeah, of course. Eye. Of yeah. course. So, uh, you know, my mom would say to me as I started <laughs> to kind of mature later in high school, and she would be like, you're my... You're my golden child. 
which was always so weird because my brother was just standing next to me. <laughs> I was like, what about Johnny? <laughs> but uh, That's so funny. But so... Uh, I've got the golden boy syndrome, too. Yeah. That's a, th- that's a weird thing. And so until the day my mom died, it was like one of the last things she ever said to me was like, you're my golden child, you know? Like, I'm not worried about you hmm. at all. So... And that was okay for you? You didn't mind being crowned at the Golden Boy? No. I had a – I was – I didn't feel any pressure. You know, and my, I think my brother supported me in that same regard. And You just felt charmed yourself. Did I you, felt that I charmed? had nothing – not even charmed. I I wasn't talented, you know, I, and I, I was never naturally good at anything in the way that my brother or my mom really even was. I, but I felt – that I had already been through all the hardest bullshit ever, and I wasn't afraid. Like, the hard part was over. You know, me moving to L.A. by myself at 18 was like, not knowing anybody, that was like, fun. You know, that was exciting. I wasn't afraid. Like, I had dealt with some fucked up shit. I was done. Like, I was done with all that. It was like, I had graduated, you know? Right. Had your mom passed before you moved? No, but she was not, you know, she wasn't doing too well. She... I had thought I had watched her die a couple times really? at that point. Yeah, so because of drugs, because of her usually trying to kick drugs or drinking, and like one, uh, she had a, had seizures all the time. And oh my god, one time when I was t- a ten or eleven, she would uh, like do this thing on my back to get me to go to sleep, and where she would go X marks the spot with the dot 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 like tracing yeah. stuff on my back, and uh, she was trying to stop drinking, and she goes. At the end, she goes, give it a breeze, and then breeze, like blows on me, and then will tickle me. She'd go, and a squeeze, and she goes, and a squeeze, and she grabbed me to start tickling me, and she had a seizure in that moment, and so she was like grabbing me hard, <laughs> and oh. then she fell on top of me having a seizure and bit her tongue off and was like coughing up all of this blood, and her tongue was like dangling out of her mouth, and she like fell on the ground. And I was like, you know, 11 or 10 or something. I was like, mama or whatever. And she looked at me afterwards and she was like, what happened? And I, you know, so like me moving to L.A. at 18 was like, whatever, that'll be fine. (laughs) It's no big deal. (laughs) Oh, what? I have to order a pizza by myself? (laughs) (laughs) I just got the worst finale to the bedtime ritual ever. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So I didn't you know, I didn't care when it's What happened after that? You took her to the hospital? I mean, no, the this is the best part. So my grandparents were not very sweet. I called them and I was like, I think mom is like di- dead or dying or something and I didn't know what was going on. She bit her tongue off on top of me. She, and uh they were like, "Okay, we'll come get her." It was the middle of the night and they came and got her and just took her away and left me there. Just they left me in the house alone, and they like forgot to take me with them. So I was just sitting there, like, hmm. And then I remember setting my alarm to go to school the next day for the first time. Wait, it was I, the first day of school? Or no, no, yeah, first, time first time I've ever setting my alarm, and and that was like the new life. You know what I mean? I was just like gonna be doing that from then on. You know, recurring. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a dark joke where they leave and you're just sitting there if this were a cartoon mm-hmm. and then they come back and they're like oh my god and then they pick up the tongue <laughs> <laughs> oh what else can we do but laugh at a story uh, like that jeez louise well yeah well life like all of that stuff and then my mom died when my mom died i was like 
I mean, she, my mom died of all kinds of different complications because of her drug use and alcoholism. And she had, uh, that's another weird thing, but the day her first son died, when she was like 22 or something, uh, got in a car accident and he, she had to pull the plug on him when he was one. And that day, she'd already been using heroin, but that day she went into the van of her friend who picked her up from the hospital. And that was the first day she ever shot heroin. And mm, when I was born, I was born yellow. Like I had uh, what jaundice. Is it? Yeah, jaundice. I had jaundice. Yeah. High five. All right. And uh, that, they put you under the egg McMuffin lamp. Yeah, yeah. And that was weird. Uh, they were like, "Do you have I, you? We tested you because your son is yellow, and it, as it turns out, you have hepatitis C." And my mom was calling people who she had shared needles with, and Mary, that girl she had done it with that day, had hepatitis C as well. And this is like eight years. So later. when she unplugged her son, good lord. She, that's when she got hepatitis C? Yeah, and then hepatitis C is kind of what killed her uh, 30 years later. Oh, my goodness. So that decision that she made the day her son died is what killed her, which I think is kind of, I don't know, weird. Um, yeah, no, I understand. It's kind of odd. I mean, she, it's also other things that killed her, too, but hepatitis C mixed with uh, 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 cirrhosis of the liver, Yeah, it, that kind of uh, is a death sentence in a lot of ways. And were you – so she – when did she realize she was dying? Um, How, you were well, over 18. Yeah. I think when I was about 19, that's when I started to get like kind of cryptic phone calls from her that were very much about if she's not around and stuff like that. Were and they, Dying people always think they're being so coy. Yeah. <laughs> and also people like – that are like uh, about to do some weird, like Breaking Bad. So mm -hmm. you're about to do a drug deal or something. It's like, I'm just calling to uh, say I love you. And it's so clear that you're about to go into some weird drug deal, aren't you? Uh, yeah. So she was being obviously dying. Yeah. <laughs> and she thought she was being coy. Yeah. And uh, then she called me eventually and was like, yeah, I got six months to live. And then I was like, you know, we – she was really embarrassed because – she had done it to herself, so she didn't want to burden my brother and I. And then, eventually, she wouldn't let us know how what her condition was. It was she was always saying that she was actually doing great, and there's a new doctor who said this. But oh. in reality, it was like bad, bad. Nobody was saying anything positive. She just wanted to shield you guys. From she her? just wanted to die. Like she wanted. To go away. It's and funny. Embarrass embarrassed makes sense to me mm -hmm. for some reason. Not, I'm not saying your mom was right to be embarrassed. I'm just saying people that are choking often go in the bathroom and die alone. Mm -hmm. Dying is kind of weird, and especially if it's your – if you feel like it's your fault. Yeah. Then you just want to – your last gift, kind of like get the kids out of this. Don't don't bother That's them. exactly what she wanted. She didn't want us to be bothered. She And she didn't want to have to say sorry to did, us in person. Did you want to be bothered, though? Do you kind of feel like, hey, that's not your choice? I want to um, – I could see a good monologue that starts with, that's not your choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I, looking back, I wish I would have been – I regret everything about how I went handled it. I wish I would have gone there and I wish I would have written music with her and all that stuff. I wish I wouldn't have listened to her or believed her. I had no reason to. It's like she had lied in the past before about a million things. So looking back, I wish I would have done all kinds of different things differently. I wish I would have moved home I for that six months. I was I was 20, and I thought, like, I'm going to be a 
fucking actor or whatever. I'm gonna right. uh, six months is a long time. I'm gonna be in the reboot of Rubberface. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna be on Gossip Girl or whatever. Like that was my real dream. I think at the time, you know. So I didn't want fucking no. I I I don't know. I I uh, I wish I would have. I don't think I wanted to at the time. I didn't want to be burdened with it. But it's a heavy thing to yeah. ask a twenty year old. Yeah. And so eventually somebody called my brother, my mom's friend called us and was like, yeah, your mom is any moment is going to die. And I don't know what you guys, what y'all are doing, not being here right now. And um, so we flew there and then she was just like, you know, I don't know. She wasn't there really. And then she died. um, But she had left. You know, watching someone die is weird. Watching someone die who has an identical twin who's standing next to them, who you're not close with, who is not necessarily a good person. Like, mm. My relationship with my aunt isn't very good. And then going like, why aren't you? Why is she the one? Mm. You guys look exactly alike. She's going away, and you're going to continue to live and have her face. It was like so weird. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, what what it must have been like. For her, yeah, too, to, to watch, watch herself die. Yeah. And she was so fucked about it. And um, Was it, you know, I've been thinking a lot, you know, Tig's show kind of, her Netflix show mm-hmm. talked about this, like watching someone die isn't what movies make it seem. I'm not trying to make you relive something, by the way. Mm-mm. This is an emotional bait. But I just think it's, you know, it's like watching someone drown or something. Like it's not as, or was it? Please tell me it was that they just kind of slip into the No, ether. the way I felt about it with my mom was that I would look at her before she had died and go, you're not there. That's mm. not you. Like, mm. you're gone. This is a body. Mm. That's all that this is. Whatever is you inside, that's, that's dead. Mm. That's been dead. This is just a body who's like, like breathing for a bit right. more. It's like the breathing machine. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I got it. And I just didn't feel connected to what that was. And they were like, don't you want to like hug her or whatever? And I was like, no, my mom is, I felt electric. Like when my mom officially passed away, I had this terrible migraine for the full day. And I I didn't want to look at my, my mom's bedroom. And I went into, I just was like, I get migraines really bad. And the moment... I was sitting there in my room around like 3 a.m. and uh, my cousin came in and was like, I think your mom is not going to stop breathing. It was just me and my cousin and my brother and my brother's wife. And uh, we went into my mom's room and she breathed like three more times and then died and I didn't have a headache anymore. And I just felt electric. I felt completely wow. at, at rest. Like I, it was the most cathartic feeling ever, and it—it it sounds weird and dark to say that. I don't mean it was because my mom died, but I meant because when my mom passed away, I felt like all of her pain was gone. Like I mm. felt like she had wanted it in a way. She like, dropped it. She dropped yeah. the body. Yeah, she didn't want it. She, she felt it that, felt peaceful. That's a Ram Dass thing. He's like when he would sit with someone who was dying, he'd be like, "I see you in a burning building." The building's going to go away, but you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Like that idea, like what you were intuiting. Your mom isn't there. Your mom is gone. Your body is kind of sputtering out now. Yeah, and then I felt so weirdly powerful coming back. I drove. I I knew at that moment I wasn't really going to have a relationship anymore with my aunt or my grandparents. That 
connection had, is now dead. So it's like the departed. Yeah. <laughs> After my mother's funeral. Yeah. Any connection we have is over. Yeah. I remember being at my mom's, right before my mom's funeral, my mom's sister-in-law, who was like, I said something to me, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. And she goes, uh-uh, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. And I was like, I'm never going to fucking talk to you again. I remember thinking that, like, oh. this is done. Like, fine. It's like the death of a time of your life. Yeah, it was totally a the- death of a dark time. Yeah. And I felt completely reborn and i remember coming back and my mom so i came back to la and my mom's friend lisa who always was really sweet to my brother and i and kind of knew our situation and always had a lot of sympathy for us i think sent we had inherited ten thousand bucks each from my mom and uh lisa sent me a letter from my mom that said some really cool things but then also said don't spend this money that i'm giving to you on on rent Mm. And that was it. And then, uh, what else did she say? She just said she was sorry and you know sad stuff. And she, I would always joke and say "Hail Satan" and stuff like that as a kid. And she was saying like, "I know you're. I've always known that you've been. You're kidding. You're just always kidding around. And like, it's funny. And I always love that you were able to make jokes about stuff like that and just really cool things. You know, saying stuff like from you're my your golden child. <laughs> from what? From behind your banks. <laughs> yeah, from behind my Hail bang. Satan. Somewhat muffled by bangs. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever lose that bang. Please don't cut your bangs. I just got in a haircut. I was like, no. Uh, so, don't spend it on rent is great advice. Yes, yeah, so she said that to me. And what did you do? Rocked my changed my fucking life. That sentence made me think so hard. About everything, because I really got that check and was like, cool, I'm going to quit delivering groceries. Yeah. But then I didn't quit, and I uh, rented a theater in Power Violence. That's where Power Violence started, and that's how I started doing stand-up. Really? Yeah. Every You are charmed. Do you have this... There's a lot of uh, sadness and <laughs> dark blues and purples in your in your painting, yeah. but there's a lot of uh, connections, and it's a good story. Well, well... I don't know. But so, You're like, I'm happy I could delight you with my pain. <laughs> I started power violence. I would always You took walk. the cash from your dead mom and yeah. started power violence. I walked by that theater all the time and then went in and talked to this guy who owned it. The, I don't know. You did that old show in yeah. that little – yeah. And, uh, with the guy that hit his head and had a concussion. Oh, yeah. You were at that show. Yeah. That fuck- I was the grown-up that was like, this guy needs to go to the hospital. He went hospital. to the hospital <laughs> right then. I think right when you said that, he went there. Uh, I don't fuck around with concussions. People yeah. that listen to this know I'm very sensitive to head bad, trauma. It got bad, dude. It got really? bad. Well, tell that story because I came to the theater to do yeah. your show, which yeah. you had rented with this money. Yeah. And one of your friends, which one? Uh, Clay. Clay, that's right. He had fallen and a block had like – we did this thing with strobe, light, strobe lights in the very beginning in the dark, and one of the clay had fallen down, and then a block was pushed off of a a ledge and fell into his head like, like a, a cinder block. No, uh, not quite a cinder block, but like a forty pound wooden block, oh. and it landed on his head, and he was spaced out when the lights came back up, and his head, his yeah, there was already like a big welt, and then we were so nervous because you were going right after that. And we're like, this is the first time Pete has gotten to do this show, and he has to go after this, and it's going to be hard to make the audience not worried about Clay during his set. And then you all, I think you just talked about it for like three minutes, and the audience was fine. And then Clay went to the hospital right then in that moment, and he had, he had a bad concussion. Yeah. 
Yeah, at least you treat it quickly. That's the best thing you can do. But uh, get to uh, it right away. (laughs) All because my mom. (laughs) He got that concussion. This is kind of Jim Carrey. You use the money and you rent the theater. Yeah, and then and you've been doing that, and that's why you do stand up now. Yeah, so we rented that theater initially to play short films that we were making and videos, and uh, we had no, we had met through a friend, uh, Johnny Pemberton. Yeah, and Johnny would do bits at our show, and then through him, we had met all these other comedians. And then, where, where you, as someone who's interested in what it's like to come to LA cold, yeah. where are you meeting these guys? So I moved down here to be an actor, and uh, had gotten. I was just listening to the podcast with Andy Samberg about being a PA. Mm-hmm. You, you guys were talking about that. And, the, and I was a PA on um, a, a Matt Besser movie that he was making. Oh, no way. And um, that's how – and I was fascinated with comedy and UCB and stand-up. And, um, and through that, I got the producer, this guy named Enman Young. I was, know Enman Young. When do I, really? he, I think he produced Meltdown. Yeah. Which is crazy. Before that eventually it was Meltdown. Meltdown. Yeah, uh, I don't know. He Before produced the TV was... show. Maybe. Oh, is that maybe. what it is? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he had something to do with the production of that. But uh, he was working as a producer of uh, this movie Matt Besser is making. And uh, so he was like, what is your deal? Because I was like gung-ho, just trying to do everything I could to be like the best PA. And uh, and he got a <laughs> kick out of me. And what then he found deal? out. Can we just stop? Yeah. <laughs> And sing the praise of the enthusiastic PS. <laughs> I mean, how many careers have launched just because someone's so filling out the suit of the PA, just being like, I don't care. Yeah. This is what I'm doing, and I love it. Well, yeah, I, dude, I was stoked to be there. I was so happy to be there. That's, can I, uh, this is a brief point. That's how I felt doing stand up in Manhattan. I used to bark and, mm-hmm. and work the door at the Boston, and people were like, Are you on drugs? Because I was so happy. Yeah. I couldn't believe we were going to tell jokes to people in the West Village. Right. It, it, that alone was a huge success. Yeah. And they were like, You're fucking crazy. These shows are terrible. And that's, I think, <laughs> the way that Emma. And thought he got a kick out of me, I think, for that reason. Yes, because you just loved it. And he was like, what is your deal? Are you an actor? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, well, my friend, are, they're making this new movie, and there's no money. You won't get paid, but you should meet with him because I think that you'd be good for the, one of the parts. And so I met with him. Is and this then, on holiday? Yeah. Whoa, you Googled me. Green Day. <laughs> yeah. If you Google... On holiday trailer, nothing comes. <laughs> there, it's gone. I There's tried no really way hard to, to find it. it. It's a, I play like a drug addicted blues DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's very specific. Can you watch it on the iTunes? No, not anymore. You used to be able to, but they what? took it off for some reason. Do you have to pay to keep it on iTunes? I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I've tried to find it recently. You know what I this want... is? You know how? Oh, sorry. I, well, I was like thinking about doing a screening and talking of it. Or yes, something. Yeah, but... this is like Sandler. You can find there's like a a movie, an old, 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 old wooden ship. Uh, mm-hmm. No, there's an old movie called like Overboard. Yeah, or something. seen it. Is that what it's called? Overboard. Yeah. Yes, this is going to come back when you break into that movie star. Your dad told you to write down your goals, and it works sort of way, which I believe in. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer. It, you're going to have this movie's going to have a resurgence. It's going to be on DVD racks, and people are going to go, "What is this Whitmer Thomas movie?" And it's going to be like a current photo of you. <laughs> That's how they sell the Sandler thing. It's like a like yeah. a huge photo of his head. And he's Opera Man on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're going to have one of these skeleton movies in your closet. Not to say it's bad, but low budget, certainly. Oh, yeah, very low budget. So yeah. we shot that movie through that. I uh, met an actress who knew Johnny Pemberton, and that's how I was connected through, like, also. And then Inman thought it was so funny because I was a huge fan of Zach Galifianakis, and that's how my introduction to stand-up is I would go see him mm-hmm. anywhere he was at in L.A., and I was write, I would write letters to him all the time. No way. And uh, say, hey, I live in Venice, or and uh, I hear you live in Venice, and I'm from the South, and I know you're from the South, and not I want to hang out. <laughs> I would like oh ask God. him to hang out with me. Oh my God! And then his fan, his like some some person would respond and be like, Zach doesn't receive these emails, but keep sending them. I'll send them. I'll let him know. Oh my um, goodness. But yeah, that was probably Zach, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mr. Galifianakis. This was 2006. Yeah, so maybe it was. Yeah. But so Inman had just made comedians and comedy, comedians of whatever that. Comedians of comedy. Yeah, 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 and that you know, so he knew Zach, and he would always threaten to send, to find the email and send it to Zach, and I would like, no, that's so um, fun. But so he. Do you put, know Zach now? Yeah, we've been done a few shows together and talked. I've never mentioned that to him, but he's always been like the sweetest, everything I could dream of. Yeah, for sure. And uh, go ahead, don't so meet cool. your heroes. Go ahead and meet Zach. Oh, met, <laughs> met Zach. Dream. Is this the Jim Carrey story? Met Jim. Dream. Jim met Z- Mark Hoppus. Dream. Really? Oh yeah, spiders. Yeah, spiders. <laughs> They've all been the best. But yeah, so, I, that's I saw I, Mark Hoppus at your last. Power violence. Yeah, one of them. Super, super weird. So I, I don't mean it, he was weird. I mean it was super weird that one of the members of Blink One has a lot to do with you. That has a lot to do with this. Po- or the, is that right? Is that what put Spidoes into the mm-hmm. consciousness? One somebody uh, cons- like took just that clip and put it online, and then it has like a bunch of plays on the internet. Wow! And because of that, he tweeted at me. And Jonah Ray, it's like this whole thing. Jonah tweeted, like, can we play, can I play drums in between comics at your show? And then Mark was like, can I play bass? And then I was like, haha. And then he DM'd me and was like, seriously, here's my number. Give me a call. Let's figure out something to do. Really? And we played I Miss You. We played the song at the end of one of my shows and a bunch of other songs. But Spiders? Yeah. We played Spiders. <laughs> it was crazy. Where are you? And he, it, it was the fucking best. That's incredible. Best night of my life. No way. I mean, one of them. That's incredible. Uh, this is good. The second half of your life. Sweet. This is post-stand-up. So once I started doing stand-up, everything, everything started to... I felt like I belonged because old dead mom made, <laughs> <laughs> made me feel like I could conquer anything. So yes. I was like... Before, I was like, I could never do stand-up. I'm not, like, funny or whatever. Right. And then post-dead mom, uh, mom die, yeah. I felt i could do it what do i care PDM. so yeah pdm <laughs> pdm you're like who cares <laughs> yeah so i could do it i get that i have i i've given my mother some analysis mm-hmm. on this show talking about uh, overloving, hinting at edible twinges and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff but at the end of the day i am so grateful obviously so grateful for my mom and those buckets of sunshine love that she gave me is why is a huge part of why i was like you know, I'm going to do stand-up. What yeah. a preposterous a notion. stupid thing. What a stupid thing. That's, I, I say it on the stage. You get up and you haven't done anything yet and they applaud. You yeah. want, and that's what you want to do. And why the fuck would an audience go, ah, oh, that tall white man's got something to say that I want to hear? Like, right, right. Would, it's preposterous. It's you need stupid. the mom buckets. Yeah, you need that weird bravado of like, ha guess what? Yeah, you don't I'm know. Not afraid. <laughs> I have a special sleep ritual. Yeah, I got a funny voice I can do that none of you can do. <laughs> Tell me about uh, meeting Jimmy C. 
So, um, have we really been going two and a half hours? Oh, oh shit. Um, so he... Okay, so Jim... One and a half hours. So he... My friends... Okay, big fan. First time I saw Ace Ventura, I was in the theater, left, went to have dinner. It like... It's similar to my mom dying. Felt weird electricity. Uh, went into the bathroom with my brother at some restaurant with my family. And my brother... You know, wash his hands and left, and he was like, "Are you coming?" I was five, and I was like, "I'm gonna hang out for a sec." Wait, you were five years old? Yeah, when Ace Ventura came oh, out. Oh wow! And excuse me, I need to apply for AARP. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You coming?" Like, I'm gonna hang for a sec, I think. And I was just looking at myself in the mirror, and because uh, before that, people were, would say that I looked like Jim Carrey when I was a kid, like because yeah. of in living color, because of my teeth, whatever. I don't know, my smile. Um, yeah. The teeth help. Yeah, teeth. And uh, so I, I stood in the mirror and I, I looked at myself and then I, destroyed the bathroom. I destroyed it. Are you sure you didn't go to see the mask? That seems, that seems more mask behavior. <laughs> well, there's something that happened and I just fucking destroyed the bathroom. Like I took all the toilet paper out and I was like throwing it everywhere. And I went and sat down afterwards at the dinner with my family at the restaurant. And a waiter came and was like, "Hello, sir, ma'am." We have reason to believe that your boy uh, just vandalized our bathroom. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Somebody stop me. <laughs> Again, mask. Uh, because you were just overcharged with energy. I'd, ne- I'd never seen anything like it. It was just, it was like, oh, this is my thing. This is for me. I love this. And <laughs> I love it so much. Every Jim Carrey movie. I had a, such a connection with when my dad left. The only VH I had a, a little white TV with a VHS player in it, and I had Liar Liar, mm. where he plays a lawyer and he's a liar. My dad was a lawyer and a liar, and so I would sit there <laughs> and just watch it and go like the part where he goes, "My dad's a liar." Yeah, you'd be like, "Me too." <laughs> did your dad do the claw? Uh, no, he did. He probably he's did. But that movie has a Ron too. They're yeah. divorced. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, look I out, it's the claw! I he tries to do it? for a Carrie Erulis in my life. Oh, what now? Carrie Erulis? I don't know how to say his last name. Oh, is that the, the... guy from Princess Bride? Uh-huh, yeah, Carrie yeah, yeah, yeah. Erulis. I just figured out that that's the guy from Princess Bride. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. He's such a tool in that movie. Well, yeah, he's still not cool at all. <laughs> anyway, so I would watch that. I just had this massive connection with him, and then... Um, and it surged out of you. Yeah. And wow. And then... And also he, I, he, whatever, but everything everybody knows about Jim Carrey. So then, uh, what do you mean? I was going to say he would, well, I would watch interviews with him on TV or something. And he would say like, I would, uh, I started performing cause I had a sick mom. And I remember being like, ah, like me, <laughs> there was just so much, you know what I mean? His life was like uprooted at some point in his life, oh, uh, wow. his childhood in the same way that mine was. And then when I had started doing stand up, I was I don't know. I think I was like 20. It was a few years ago. It wasn't long ago. And uh, my friends were directing some Funny or Die video that he was in. And they needed a, uh, like a stand-in. And they thought it would be funny if they got me. Because <laughs> we look alike. And they were like, and you could maybe meet him. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. You're already there. Yeah, I'm there. We, I'm, we I'm cut here to your apartment. Right the phone is on the yeah. counter and you're already there. Yeah, so I'm there. <laughs> Uh, he, Jim looks at me and kind of goes, ha, uh, I don't need that, dude. I don't need standing. This is like a real small thing. Like, I don't, um. Wait, he laughs at your 
look appearance yeah, because we're dressed like exactly alike yeah because of whatever and, and then your face is, i look like him this is kind of like your aunt watching your mom die. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's watching my dream die uh, so, <laughs> so he goes i don't need a stand-in there's really no reason for a stand-in but you can whatever you can hang like, out, kid. I was like, okay, cool. Then he threw you a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and I just sat there and watched him do this thing. And then I was sitting on – I was friends with the directors. And I was sitting on a on during lunch break outside on the couch. And he uh, he had a producing partner there with him. And I was sitting with Josh Fadum, and his, who's an amazing comedian who's very physical. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, his producing partner, this – Guy comes up to Josh and goes, "Hey man, I think I saw you in Montreal. You're great." Um, Wait, who comes up to Fadum? Jim Carrey's producing partner. Uh huh. And Josh is like, "Oh, thanks." You know, and they're talking. He's like, "Yeah, you're, I mean, your physical comedy is like unbelievable. I hadn't seen anything like that since I saw Jim a long time ago when we were young." <laughs> and then we pan over to Josh. He's just a puddle of <laughs> goo. He's just like with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's making me excited. Yeah. And no one said that to me. And I was sitting there next to Josh, steaming with the jealous rage. But uh, Of course. And uh, and uh, the guy goes, are you a comic too, to me? And I was like, yeah, my name's Witt. And he's like, oh, very cool. And then he goes, Jim doesn't have anybody to hang out with right now. Because it was a very small production. And all of the extras were weird. They were like Tim and Eric style extras, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. strange guys who like puppeteering and believe in aliens and stuff right, like that. Right, sure. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but so he goes. Jim doesn't have anybody to hang out with, and he's just sitting over there looking at his phone. And he he was just like pass, pace, pacing back and forth, kind of looking at his phone alone. And uh, he's like, "Would you guys just want to hang out with him for the next little while while we're on break?" Uh, and we were like, uh, 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 <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. You're trying to be. I cool. guess there's room on the couch. There's two puddles, <laughs> and so. Uh, Jim comes over and the guy introduces Jim to Josh as, uh, hey, Jim, this is Josh Fadum. He's one of the best physical comedians I've seen since you uh, when you were you know, back in the clubs. And Jim was like, oh, hey, man, you like physical comedy? No way. And then he's like, and this is what? <laughs> uh, and he was like, are you a comic too? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, so cool. And he immediately, within no joke, like three minutes was not like Jim Carrey. He was just like a comedian who was sitting on a couch talking about doing stand-up. Really? And talking about his life. And he kept doing this really cool thing that I love. Um, you know, anytime I listen to a podcast or something, he kept doing this thing where he would go like, how old are you? And I was like, 25. And he's like, oh, man, this is a, I remember when I was 25. You know, and then he would talk about being 25 in L.A. Yeah. He had a one-bedroom apartment in echo park and he had like a daughter and a, and a baby basket and like i would go to I, we used to go to the store and like i would bomb every night and um i would bomb on purpose just to make so-and-so lap or whatever and he was just telling all these stories and then and i'd was, have a can of sprite <laughs> and I'd go, i just have a little stage sprite 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 sprite, sprite. <laughs> and i was like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was just doing all – he just everything – and we had a lot of time with him. We sat there with him for an hour. Risky because, yeah. I mean, this is what makes the story so great is that he could have been like – Yeah. One second. Yeah. Hold up. Got to make a call. Um, but he, he was just being a dude. He was just being a cool guy. And He's then, the dream guest. He, he would say things. It sounds amazing. 
Oh, he would be so good on this. He would say things like he would get spiritual and talk about the universe, and then he would also go, that's just me. I like all that bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he's not a weirdo in the way that yeah. he's convinced. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? He's just like a cool – he's a self-aware guy, a bit out of touch because he's sure. the, one of the more famous people in the world. But like he's self-aware and cool, and he yeah. did say like – we asked him – I was asking him questions as if I was interviewing him sometimes and would be like, when did things start making sense? Because he would say he just bombed all the time. Yeah. After he stopped doing impressions, he would just be like, yeah, dude, I just bombed all the time. I would just do anything and try to get people to laugh and I started bombing. And then I said something and did something that connected with a person in the audience and I talked to her afterwards and she didn't even really speak English. And wow. I was like, huh. And then I just started trying to do more of that and that's when I – this sounds cheesy like he didn't say it but he really said i realized that i wanted to be universally funny and i wanted to be funny to everyone with the sound off yeah i wanted to be funny to where someone didn't have to speak my language and they could still figure out that i was like a funny guy and that's where things started working out and i was like oh okay (laughs) <laughs> cool. Cool, man. <laughs> it's amazing. It just blew my mind. Yes. It blew my mind. Wow. And uh and then, you know, they had to go back and shoot the thing, but it was like it was a life-changing conversation. Of course. Coolest. Wow. So cool. That's amazing. Yeah. What was the other quote you were talking about his when he's wearing the hat? His graduation speech? Uh or something yeah. that stood out from that? Yeah, it's the thing where he's wearing the funny hat at the um Temple, well, the you know whatever it is yeah. he's wearing commencement. I, I can't remember what he's saying though. He's like uh, saying oh, it's it's really cool. It's in a million different Instagrams of like the quote and the photo of him. And oh, that being hat. a failure at something yeah. that you hate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, I'd, I'd rather be a, a success. No, I'd, I'd rather, rather be, be a, a failure, failure at something, something I love than um, success at something I hate. Yeah, I think that yes, I I think he found a way to twist that. And make it his own because I'm not sure if that's his quote. I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, who knows? But it could it, be. But he's cool. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Wow. And, and I don't know. Meeting him, coolest, best day well, of my life. That's a nice segue into you know. You've, it sounds like you've listened to the podcast. We we always talk about the meaning, of, and we've talked about your mom mm-hmm. passing, and and there's been all these like very profound clouds parting moments. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the preview for Ace Ventura, by the way, and being like. Dad, <laughs> like just being like, oh shit, yeah. there's something for us. You yeah, know, I'm ten years older than you, but still, I was like, holy fuck. So you've had this connection to paying attention to like the quiet voice. It mm-hmm. seems like inside of you, your mom's passing. You seem to be aware and present there. So I'm just wondering, what do you make of all of this life? Uh, what do you think's going on here? As far as what? I don't Were know. you raised religious? No, no, no. I didn't have really any religion. Like- My mom sometimes would go to church if she felt like she'd made a lot of mistakes, I think, that week. Yeah. She'd be like, we need to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wake up. Uh, but uh, what my, about psychedelics, mushrooms? No, I don't. I've never really done. I was like so fucked up with drugs for yeah. the longest time. No, that makes a I've lot smoked of sense. weed a few times. I, on one time, I got. I, I didn't know I was taking Molly, but I was. Me and you. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was a wild night. This we, is a few we years took ago. Molly? <laughs> I've I never done Molly. You weren't on Molly, but you I came to some party. We were on a bus. Like I was on a bus, a party bus on a New Year's Eve one night years ago and like and I <laughs> came to some party and I was dancing with my friend Milana and you were there. 
with Heather Thompson and Emily Maya Mills. Oh, yeah. And all of these different friends. Yeah, I remember and that. You guys were all dancing. And I was like experiencing being on Molly and just discovering, oh, I, t- I took Molly and I didn't know I took it. Yeah. And you grabbed my hand and were like jumping up and down with me. And I remember being like, what is this? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't think we even knew each other at all. But yeah, I no, think I re- you just kind of were re- like every that. once in a while. This just recently happened. Manic Pete, and I mean manic in a good way. Manic, like my brain is just—it yeah. looks like Christmas. Just so lit up and so engaged and so funny and so present and so social. Sometimes that Pete will line up with a social event like New mm-hmm. Year's Eve. It happens once every fifteen years, <laughs> and that was that night. I remember that night. That was a f- really fun. Night. Like it—it it was midnight, and I kissed a girl I barely knew. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of that was that night for me that too. That was that night. That was one of my favorite nights. It was awesome. Yeah, and then we just left. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was not together. Over. I mean, it was just like good night. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, but I don't. I've never really done any of that. I, I'm into it. In what a do way. you mean? I'm not open to it. You know, drugs. Um, yeah, now I am. I'm Oof. just yeah, sure. Um, it's a little. It's hairy. I don't know. I always. Because of Harris, I just talked to Moshe, who's like, I'm sober, and I want to maybe start drinking again. I was like, I'm always like, ah, ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, it took, I mean, for me. I mean, we're all doing it. Like, 99.9% of us are doing it. Drinking, I mean. I didn't start, I never had drank ever until I was 23. Really? I've never even done anything. Yeah. Well, and I, well, it makes sense, right? I mean. Yeah. I, I was like, I filled with hate. <laughs> so I never really. You were filled with hate? Oh, because for, I, for I had booze. such angst and like hatred for drugs and alcohol and i never would admit that that was why it had anything to do with my family or my parents yeah. and then once my mom passed away I, I remember being like what am i afraid of like this is bullshit who cares if i drink like, it doesn't matter so now you do a little bit yeah um and as far as oh i heard you saying that at ucb you're yeah. like you used to be the guy who doesn't drink mm-hmm. and now people are like whittle drive and you're like no man <laughs> I'm fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fucked up too now. Uh, <laughs> I used to be thought of as the reliable one. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, so I never did any of that. But what about, um, do you talk to your mom? That's a way in. Do you um, still talk to your mom? You know, I feel such a connection to my mom, and I have... I there's moments in my life where I feel so connected to her and I feel like my mom said before she died she was like I know I don't know what she said that in that letter like I know you always joke about worshiping satan but just do me a favor and believe in angels your mom said that yeah and I I believe in that because huh. why not you know it's so funny. It's like, don't spend this on rent. Your mom didn't say that. You're... No, she said that. She said that. Yeah. Oh, forgive me. I, I, thought, I thought someone else wrote the letter. She's like, don't spend this on rent and do me a favor, believe in angels. It's just like two kind of ideologies mm-hmm. she was trying to give you. Yeah. Like, don't become a guy that just blows this on... That's 10 months rent, or, yeah. you know, ish. Uh, or, and also become a person that has more manifestations of hope and protection. Yeah. So I... I like the I like the idea, and I feel my mom everywhere here because I know my mom lived here when she was young, and I feel connected to her every time something good in my life happens. The first thing that I want to do is call my mom and talk to her about it, mm. but I can't, so I feel like I don't need to. You know, she knows. Like, yeah. I don't. There's no need. 
So you're, it sounds to me like you're open to the idea of there being a difference between the light and the bulb? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm completely open to it. And I don't, as far as God, I went, my friend, a friend of mine committed suicide a couple of weeks ago. and I Weeks had to go, ago? Yeah, and I had to go to his, I'm so sorry. That's okay. But I had to go to his uh, funeral, and it was a really weird funeral because he had committed suicide. So I kept thinking, God, I wish I believed all this stuff, you know? In all the ritual and the yeah, reassuring words. I would feel better, right? Mm-hmm. I kept, and then I was looking at all the people who were doing all the, it was a Catholic church yeah. who were like, who knew Crossing all of the yeah. stuff. And I, I didn't know anything. I was like, do they feel like at peace? Do they feel not as sad? I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm going to go ahead and say that probably not. Right. Uh, there are exceptional people <laughs> that really groove with spirituality and really find it. Kind of like you in the bathroom. Like yeah. the spirit of the movie really takes <laughs> them over. But as someone who would go to funerals and believe very literally – a lot of religious metaphor and religious symbology. Uh, it, that's not really where I found peace. Peace wasn't in ignorance. Peace was in really understanding what we're talking about. When, when it does t- come to what is a symbol, what's literally true, what's mythologically true, that is where I've found a lot more peace than going, no, really, your mom's in the other room. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's better for me to say, we say your mom's in the other room because... It's a way for us to understand that she's here, but she's not here. But that doesn't mean that's literally true, that your mom is somewhere knowing she's your mom watching you going, I'm your mom watching you right. from this other, from the upside down. But stories that help us kind of go into that area can be nice. I find it better to know that they're stories, though. That, yeah. That's kind of my thing. Well, that's what I kept thinking about. This funeral is so awkward because mm. it was it – was, nobody ever said the, that my friend committed suicide. The priest never mentioned it. He he was just kind of doing his... It seemed like he was powering through it, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like... I feel like, a, unfortunately, a lot of spirituality is powering through yeah. it and not talking about what's happening. It was rough, man. Um, but as, as far as all the religion and, and as far as my mom and, and stuff like that, I feel... I felt this weird power, like when my mom passed away, that I haven't really experienced since. And I feel it sometimes when... I feel so connected and like uh, I felt so loved and like understood when my mom died because I think uh, I don't know I I can't really explain it but yeah so I I don't know I don't know it sounds like a religious experience mm-hmm. let's we don't have to nail it down mm-hmm. we don't have to say this is what it was but when your mom passed you had some sort of experience that you can't put into words yeah I felt cool I remember driving over a bridge. Onto another island to go s- sleep because I, I wanted sleepy to sleep. Sleepy island? Yeah, <laughs> sleepy island. I pretend I'm going there every <laughs> night. I fly in in my bed sheet. <laughs> and uh, I remember driving over the, the bridge and looking down at the water. And I, as a kid, I would always drive over that same bridge and try to look and see if I could see to the bottom. And I never could because that was just – we would always jump off bridges into water. Mm-hmm. And I if, if you couldn't see the bottom, then that's cool. You could jump off and like – but I'd always want to see if I could see, see the, the bottom. bottom of the water. I see the bottom of like the sand. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's good to not. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I looked over, and also the, it's always just choppy. You can't anyway. And I looked over the bridge, and I the water was like a piece of glass, and I could see straight to the bottom. And then I looked at you know it's in Alabama where there's clouds and rain, and I looked up and there was no. It was like everything was so even. 
Nothing had ever made so much sense. Like, the, there was no clouds. Every water that I would look at was completely flat. I could see to the bottom of everything. I fell asleep better than I had ever slept in my life. It was just this weird... I drove from Alabama to L.A. with my brother, and it was just this crazy cathartic experience. I remember trying to snowboard, and I could immediately do it. We were in Colorado, like, driving through. My cousin took us snowboarding, and I was, like, not afraid to do it, and I just did it and went through the trees. And then we got out of the trees, and she's like, wow, you went through the trees? And I was like, yeah, what am I afraid of? You know what I mean? Wow. It was just this weird feeling. And I feel like I still feel that way. I'm just used to the feeling now. Hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, I don't remember what I felt like before my mom passed away. Hmm. I I feel like that feeling has stayed with me, and I feel like I'm... Transformed. Yeah, completely transformed. I feel like she is a guardian angel in, in whatever way. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel, uh, I also feel this weird thing like... She would say I was her golden child, and she would also say she never got to, she never, she could never allow herself to really do it, to really like become what she wanted to be because of her addiction to drugs and whatever it was. And so I, I feel like, oh, well, now I've got me, I can do that. And then I feel like I've got like a piece of my mom who is also going, like, you can do this. Like, I'm here, mm. I'm helping you out. Mm. And I feel kind of like no matter what, it'll work out. <laughs> There's never been a time where I've been like, it's not going to. You know what I mean? Hmm. So, it, which might just be fucking crazy, but <laughs> there's been times where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent ever, which is like every all the time. <laughs> but there's still this weird thing that I'm just like, oh, who cares? I'll ski through the trees. Yeah, I'll or ski I'll through, the, through the trees. Yeah, definitely snowboard. Yeah, don't Not ski. ski. No, Ugh, give me a break. I, can't, I can't believe I said ski. That's so weird. Nobody, uh, nobody skis anywhere. But I don't know the best way to articulate that, and I could learn and read about it, and I'm sure whatever it is, but I don't do it. And mm. I could also write down my goals 10 years ago, but I didn't do it. I don't know what's keeping me from doing things like that, but I could. I, I should. I thought you did. I did, like a couple weeks ago, after yeah. my friend died. Yeah. I was like, I should do all this stuff. I should figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I think religion... I one time dated a girl who was super Christian and went to a mega church. She lived in L.A. here, and she asked me to go with her, and I went... And it was weird, and there was like a guitarist with frosted tips playing like a guitar solo the whole time. And uh, Christianity has not gotten the memo on frosted <laughs> tips. We we go back, we don't go forward. We we got the memo from the judges of the Levitical time. Yeah, but we don't read Mentel. <laughs> I got that because I was watching all your dad's bits. That's why I said Mentel. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's that sounds about right. So you got a guy doing tastefully wicked solos. Oh, such <laughs> good. For, yes, for Jesus. And so I left, and she was like, "How did you?" feel in church and i said i'd never felt more further away from god in my entire life that's so funny and she was like matt she didn't like that i said that and then ooh, this is the tag in life <laughs> life tag <laughs> and she goes well why did you uh contribute the money to the uh, whatever what's offering. it called offering and i was like i always pay for a show <laughs> you are I was a total rascal that's from There Will Be Blood. Really? No, I'm not saying you stole it. Oh. I'm just saying I couldn't love it more, and it's from my favorite movie-ish, because when he leaves, Eli is giving the big sermon. Yeah. He's like, I cast you down to perdition. Oh, yeah. 
And then uh, Plain View on the way out goes like, that was one goddamn hell of a show. <laughs> Which is uh, so funny. Yeah. You basically did those two things. You did that one thing and two things. Yeah. So funny. I, but good for you for being honest. I, well, and I was open. I was completely open. I love it. And I went. I just didn't like it. And I had to be honest with her because, she, you know, whatever. But, yeah, I, yeah so that's as far as r- church my dad hates organized religion in that way and he was always you know recently he was like uh dude i think i figured out a way to sue the pope <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> like, what's that he's like he's doing this thing in virginia or something like that <laughs> that's great <laughs> but i think the traps we lay for god are don't seem to work really yeah. you know what i mean like when we when we're so comfortable talking about like creativity or inspiration being fleeting, but we're like, God will be here mm-hmm. on uh, Sunday morning at nine and 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's going to be at both services. Yeah. And I understand for some of the people, maybe he is there. Maybe it is there, whatever you want to say. But uh, I love this Richard Rohr quote. It comes to mind. He goes, we, I, I say it all the time. He goes, uh, we don't come to God by doing it right. We come to God by doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And not to say that anything in your past was wrong, but I see you finding the divine or the transcendent or the electric, the vibrant, the real. Let's just call it the real with a capital R. You kept finding it in all these really interesting spots in your life. And then, of course, someone like you, Real Deal Holyfield, is going to go to church and be like, man, have you been on a cross-country road trip with your brother after your mom died? (laughs) That's where God was, dude. Yeah. Right? And we all know that, but we're like, maybe I'll I'll pencil God in for 45 minutes at a megachurch. Yeah. Not to say that he can't show up there. He can be anywhere. Sure. Wherever you find him. It depends what kind of dick you want to be about it. I just feel Uh like, you know what I mean? I think that's a lot to do with it, too. Like, if you don't want to be a dick, don't be a dick about it. and, And sure, I believe that you go there and find something but if this girl was kind of a dick about it right and i was like i think you're lying to yourself exactly so well beware of anybody that's like this is where you mm-hmm. i don't want to worship someone else's experience of god that's something i've really figured out oh, cool. i don't want to hear someone else telling me their story their vision their tale i want to be taken through it mm-hmm. and th- I, that experience is absolutely there for you mm-hmm. i mean look at how many times you've died and resurrected it's there for you you've experienced the all of the narrative in your life time and time again. And you're using traditionally religious terminology. I'm encouraging you to because that's what I do. But saying being transformed and reborn, your mom died, this sort of like second part of your life beginning. These are religious terms. Unfortunately, they become flat and flaccid and boring. But when they're you, that's, that's where God is. That's where doing it wrong can take you into the, into the real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just summarize things emphatically. Well, I like that. I, I want to go like pitch a show and then have just you sit over in the corner and go, what he just tried to say was. <laughs> I think what he's saying is. I will happily do it. The squid has a funny hat on. So that's why people look at him. <laughs> but don't we all feel like squid sometimes? Why am I Southern all of a sudden? Well, that was great, man. What, uh, because... Some of the stuff is heavy. We always talk about God at the end. The last thing I like, do you feel good? feel great. Is there anything you were hoping to get to that we didn't? Nope. Nope. Good. Mm-mm. Good, good, good. Feel good. Well, can you remember one of the times you laughed really, really hard in your life? Yeah. <laughs> I think I talk about it all the time. And there's a video. There's like proof of it. I can email you the video. Um, <laughs> it's – okay, you know those um, – 
You know, on the photo booth on a Mac, how you can like contort your face? Yeah. Remember when that first came out? <laughs> <laughs> what about the end of the story? <laughs> well, dude, when it first came out, it was like the best. Yeah, Everybody was, the best. was like, you gotta see this. <laughs> Look how big my eyes get. Yeah. And so <laughs> it had just come out. I have it on my phone. Cam, yeah. cam wow free. Oh, well, I gotta I get it. <laughs> and so there's a video where my best friend Clay, uh, it was like we had heard the we had heard about two broke girls it had not come out yet <laughs> and clay was in the habit of opening his photo booth on his computer and saying he would make a video titled audition for cook number 2 in two broke girls sag e <laughs> he would <laughs> clay tatum and uploading it on just like an imaginary audition sag e which means sag eligible oh, which he saw God. on my resume or something and he would make fun of it sag eligible <laughs> i'm so glad i asked i thought it was take e yeah oh no know. no yeah, no yeah sag eligible so uh and uh sag is a union you got to be in and to be in tv and stuff like that and so uh, clay would make auditions for stuff <laughs> like role of high school swim student gossip girl Clay Tatum, whatever it was, That's and he so would make like, a fake audition. And uh, sometimes he would upload it. And so he did one for that, for the two broke girls, Cook. And and he asked me to come to him and just go, here's that spatula you asked for. And I just would hand him a spatula, just my arm is in it. <laughs> and then he would go, oh, thanks, or something like that. And here, I'll get to cooking. And then that would be like the humor of the video is how stupid it was but then this one he put one of those effects on his face to where he had these this really droopy face and i hadn't i didn't know that he was doing that and so when i went to go hand him the spatula <laughs> i go here's your spatula and i looked into the camera when on the screen and he goes what his face was like all drippy and it's not that funny now but dude i had never seen anything like that in my life and i died laughing like couldn't i thought i was gonna die like that style of laughter and then i kept doing it so in the video it's like 30 seconds long i'm like trying to spit out the words here's your spatula but he his only line is what <laughs> and i see your spatula here it is and he goes what? <laughs> it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. No question. I've never laughed that hard. Can I say that's fantastic? Can I say something from Power Violence that permeated Valerie and I's life? Is we sing. I don't know who made this. I hope it was one of you guys. That yeah. What would you do if I yeah. sang out of tune? That was me, my friend Bud. And then it just. What would you do if I sang out of tune? What would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> We heard that we're sitting backstage with Mark Hoppus, <laughs> and I lost it. It was it, I don't want to overstate it, but it was in the family of an Ace Ventura moment where you're like, "That's so funny to me," but I didn't know other people thought shit like that was funny. <laughs> repeating, "What would you do if I sang out a tune?" Is it for the whole song? Yeah. Well, that's the only part of the song I feel like I ever really remember because of the. <laughs> Wonder Years, it's just, <laughs> what would you do if I sing out a tune? What would you do if I sing out a tune? <laughs> <laughs> but we had the music playing. But it's also a preposterous question. Yeah. It's like, he wants to know what you'd do if he sang out a tune? That's oh, like a yeah. weird thing to say. And then if you just sing it over and over again, it's one of those things where the audience thinks it's funny the first time, yep. not funny the second time, 
a little bit funny the third time, and then very funny again the that's fourth it. time. Yeah, that's it. It's like that classic. Yeah, the Letterman. Tig, Tig thing. does it with the chair too. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Stool, and uh, we just did it that one. We've never done it since then. But I well, I sang it this morning while walking the dog. Oh, good. I find it so funny. And I love when those things that we don't even think are working really – I know you know it works, mm-hmm. but like found a home in two people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Val and I. That's good. I didn't ask Mark Hobbit. Oh, that was the – yeah. Will you do spiders before we leave? <laughs> oh, sure. I feel like morning radio, but I just want to hear it. Um, all right. Um, what is the setup? setup is that Blink-182 is my favorite band, and they made their living off being silly idiots. That's yeah. my dream. But then like 10 years ago, they came out with a song – more serious called I Miss You and the first singer does a good job at being like more serious and kind of poetic and sings like hello there the angel from my nightmare the shadow in the background of the morgue (laughs) and that guy does like a pretty good job that's Mark yeah that's Mark and then the second singer who left the band yeah Yeah. well now I say but Blink-182 has two singers and then the audience is like wow because they already know (laughs) but wait but then that other guy left well, he left, yeah. Yeah. The other guy left. But now there's a new guy. There's a new guy, Matt yeah. Skiba from Alkaline Trio. And does he sing like this other guy? Mm, no. No, okay. He sings good. Yeah. Uh, I You went to their concert and you loved it twice. Yeah, I went twice. And he said that the new guy just sings the old guy's songs, He's, like completely unapologetic, just like, no, I'll sing. Yeah, he sings very good. Yeah. And Mark is like, it's really weird to have Matt in the band because he's like a, a really legit singer. <laughs> <laughs> so it like the songs sound better yeah. than they ever have, but are they supposed to? Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that punk rock thing of like... I loved Rancid, and I always yeah. noticed their guitars were out of tune. Yeah. They could have tuned them. Yeah. In fact, Hall showed them how. <laughs> that was a two-hour right. two callback. Yeah. What happened with that guy? Sorry, I'm interrupting. Hall? That. No, the other guy, the other singer, Spidos. Oh, he left because he is thinks he's – the way that I look at it is like – there's this documentary about him right now. Really? Uh, called Tom DeLonge's Journey to the Sound or – Sound journey or some okay. some like pompous title, <laughs> yeah, and about his like sound, what he's searching for, and and he's so serious. Wait, I and don't it's know like, if I want to say. Yeah, that. you don't. And he's so serious about it, and I and I don't. I've never really talked to Mark too much about why Tom left, but I I think they just couldn't deal with him taking himself so seriously anymore. Uh-huh. He's like, dude, you're in Blink One Eighty Two. You speak. You are the voice of a thousand fourteen year old, a million fourteen year olds, yeah. and why do you want to be Bono? Yeah, and that was probably really annoying to be in a band with a guy who all of a sudden wanted that. Yeah, and so they decided, well, Matt is our friend. Let's fucking just put him in the band, and we can write a stupid album about falling in love and whatever it is, you know, yeah, I mean? yeah, instead yeah. of like about how. I remember reading a Rolling Stone. I think it was Tom, or was it Mark? That were like, I believe in Jesus Christ. Were they just that's, fucking with people? That's. Probably, I don't know. Who knows? They met at a church camp. They did? Yeah, but they're not really religious. So I just, I, I was Christian at the time. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I am now. Ex-Christian, I suppose. I was still Christ-leaning. But I was reading that interview, and I was like, it made a point to say, I think it was Tom said, I believe in Jesus Christ. No bit, no laughing. Yeah. They're like farting on each other. That part, very, very serious. Well, that's, they probably were. I mean, they were young, man. When really? They started, when they I, broke, they were 23. I man. heard a rumor that, have you heard this rumor? Bling 182 were like businessmen that quit their jobs to make a punk band? No, that's not true. I, I, I don't think it's true, but uh, I remember hearing that. No, they had, like, I think Tom had gotten expelled and was playing guitar, and then Mark 
was Tom's sister's boyfriend, and that's how they met. Really? Yeah. Spidos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he. So the first guy's very good at saying like, serious. I miss you. I miss you. And it's like serious and <laughs> it's convincing. And then Blink-182 has another singer who comes in and is like, where are you? <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I can't sleep. Can't dream tonight. I need somebody. I know. So strange. Dark nose comes creeping. One so haunting every time. <laughs> There's spiders. <laughs> and then I wonder if the first singer was like, oh, we're still getting to do that voice. <laughs> we're 37. Yeah. Spiders. It's just like an allegory for like adulthood. And like, that's just like a big metaphor. It's See, like, you don't need me in the pitch. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <just> a- <laughs> I'm sorry to morning radio you, but I'm so glad we have another recording of you doing it. Okay, cool. It's Maybe so someone funny. consolidate that and pitch, tune it up and pitch it to the song. <laughs> If we did it clean, I bet someone would do it. Hey, maybe, yeah. Spiders. Yeah. I'm not going to, but yeah. Um, thanks, man. I thanks, feel great. Pete. This was one of my faves in a, in a while. Yeah. I, I'm really happy to do it. And and this is only to compliment you. I wasn't really in the mood. Oh. Not for you to podcast. Oh, well, that's good. What I'm saying is sometimes you come, you show up, and you're like, ah, I don't know about this. And then a guest completely kills it. I think that that has how every person feels about me. That you're that magical I think person? they're like, I don't know if I want to book this guy. And then I book him, and they're like, you know what? I was pleased. <laughs> but there's something about my face and my overall so demeanor to where people are like, should we put him on the show? And then they do, and it's fine, and it's good. That's but funny. But they're just like, hmm. <laughs> I don't excited about this. I would like to clarify, that's very funny yeah. and maybe true. I didn't. It was not guest contingent. No, I wasn't no, like, no. I don't want to talk to Whitmer. I was like, I don't want to drive to Meltdown. I don't want to sit in this little room on a Sunday. Yeah. Some days it's just great. I'm getting a little sick. I'm no, getting I feel over. you. I feel you. But man. you killed it. Hey, thanks. That's a man. good guy to be. I'll write my goals. I'll let you know how they work out. In, in 10 years, I'll come back. We'll come back before that. Well, I look well, at this as like a bit th- of time. this is the pre huge break thing. You're, you're, okay, you're, cool. you're a few hiccups away. <laughs> from like some huge thing and this will be a great resource okay so maybe not 10 years but 10 months 10 ooh, wow, ooh, all right, that's a good amount of time. 10 go. months let's see yeah. how the goals work <laughs> well thank you Whitmer would you uh, wit, would you say Whitmer would you say witty wit 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 wit, wit. <laughs> would you say keep it crispy yeah keep it crispy baby <laughs> yeah baby yeah <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 